Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's a brand new week, and it's another week with the Movie Time Boys. You got myself, Loki Geek Renee here, and Blake, the Wolf. What's going on, dude? Oh, oh, the Wolf. What up, uh, Renee? I am excited Ow. to be talking to you. Yes, sir. Um, I have a new hairdo. I'm going full villain. Yeah, man. Uh, because of what today we're doing. Um, I don't know if I can say this. Or it's exciting. I'm excited for this draft where. Yeah. Well, A24, man. Um, and yeah. this is this episode, you already know how excited I am about A24. I'm, gl- I'm glad to talk to you about this one. I'm totally excited. Uh, as, you know, A24, one of our favorite movie distributors, producers, however you wanted to refer them to them as, is celebrating their 10-year anniversary. So we thought it would be great to do a special episode, uh, episode dedicating uh, it to A24 and our love of A24. We're going to go back in time and revisit one of their very first movies that they distributed. And then we have this fun thing planned out where we're going to go through kind of like a draft where each of us will pick 10 movies from the A24 library and basically use that as our top 10 films of A24, which is tough because there's just so many good movies that they've come out with. Um I was running through the list last night and just even picking my top five or top 10, I just had a hard time doing that because especially like any given time of the year or the month or whatever, you know, these things will change because certain movies will hit you harder than others. Or the more time you think about them, the more you're like, wait a minute. No, this movie has big impact and all that. But we'll get into all that in a minute. But thank you for uh, watching and and or listening and joining us for this ride. Again, if you're brand new to the channel and you're seeing these two knuckleheads talking here, this is the Movie Time podcast where you got two bros just basically chatting about movies and bullshitting and stuff like that. So if you like what you see, hit that subscribe button, hit that like, hit the notification bell so you can get notified every time a new episode is uploaded on the channel. Um, that doesn't cost you a single penny. It's free. It's free to spread the love. And if you prefer an audio version of this episode, you can find it on the Low Key Geek podcast through your podcast uh, platform of choice. Go there, check out this episode and many others to download and leave a great rating. So without further ado, uh, let's talk about A24. So I'll admit uh, I was a little late to the A24 game. Um, I think... I really started to notice more about A24 um, probably within the last four years or so. Now, I've always known they've been around, but I've never personally have checked out any of their films that they've actually put out. Um, As I slowly immersed myself in more and more film and movies um, and opening my mind to other uh, studios and, you know, distribution houses and all that, I started saying, you know what, let me check out this movie that A24 put out several years ago or whatever, and blew my mind. I'm just like, whoa, I haven't had that same feeling 
since probably I saw Clerks or Pulp Fiction back in the day because I was so used to like the mainstream movies, the blockbuster movies and all that. Then when watching those two movies, it made me realize, well, wait a minute. This is an independent feel. This is something I've never seen before. A24 allows their creators to really explore the boundaries of storytelling and creativity with unique storylines, great acting, cinematography, directing, and all that kind of stuff like that. And they pull people from all different aspects of the industry um, by giving them kind of like that free reign to create whatever they want to create. And I think that's what makes them one of the really top tier uh, movie companies, especially when it comes to like a more independent cinema, right? Um, so they started back in 2012 and they started releasing films in theaters in 2013. Uh, one of the first ones that they did that we'll be talking about in a minute is A Glimpse Inside the Mind of Charles Swan III, which the title alone already tells you <laughs> that this yeah. is going to be a different kind of movie, right? So um, what's it now? Ten years later, they averaged like 10 to 20 movies a year. And I think mainly because of streaming, they have a lot more outlets now to kind of you know, distribute, produce, release, and all that stuff like that. And no longer is it seen as a distribution house where it could launch careers, but they're pulling in veterans as well to start, um, you know, either directing, writing and directing, or starring in a lot of these movies. So, Blake, what is your relationship with A24? How did you first come across them? I think I feel like you've been immersed in the A24 library much longer than I have, so... Without doing a full personal history, I've been an indie movie fan forever. I, I like at least since I became like a you know a teenager, high school, college age. Growing up, I would like watch um, on our local Oklahoma um, public acts like public channel. Um, um, they'd have old black and white movies. I'd watch those with my mom every week. I've always kind of been into the arts um, and more creative stuff, and I've I'm also enjoy blockbusters. Um, I was into like I remember high school learning about Jim Jarmusch and watching him at a film movie party. I would watch The Graduate. I had a bunch of like artsy geek friends who were like we're doing a graduate watch party. I got super into the movies of Woody Allen. Like, I it, this is a long time ago. Um, <laughs> it was huge for me in high school. Then I'm doing film classes in college with a couple film classes, which are more going to be like the deep cuts, old Chinese cinema, old Italian cinema, French new wave stuff and got it. And then from there, I still have like some, I like good movies and not just the weird stuff. So like Scorsese or Oliver Stone, dudes like that. So I think that like I was already built and ready for an A24 movie company and we've seen in recent years, like the Fox Searchlights uh, not doing as well. Um, Miramax, who used to be like, we're going to put money in awards type movies, like obviously Weinstein and everything else. That's just, it's, and then a lot of these companies are getting bought out by bigger companies. And then they're like, eh, we don't make enough money off that. We're going to just, you know, shutter that studio. And so thank goodness the A24 comes along 10 years ago. Yeah. I remember I saw um, Glimpse Inside the Mind of Charles Swan the Third. Is that? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's one of those idiosyncratic, like, you know it's an indie movie or a weird movie. It's not a blockbuster if you have a title with that many words. No. 
Um, I remember because as soon as I saw the title and Charlie Sheen, I, I think this is right after the Charlie Sheen heyday. Uh, it, it's when- it's yeah. I, I I looked this up. It was two years after the whole okay. winning Tiger Blood, yeah. Adonis, all that yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Because right. I was new to New York too, right? And that um, I just moved to New York at the exact time when A twenty four is coming out. Um, one year before, and so I remember being at like a New York indie cinema, which. For my bona fides, like I used to vacation here growing up, and I would literally like write out all the indie movies that are never going to come to Oklahoma, where I was from, and I would go watch those. Like in, I would be in New York for seven days and like go watch as many as I could. And then now I'm living in New York, and m- one of the main reasons I moved here is all the indie theaters. God bless them. And I remember going to, um, I think this was either Angelica or IFC Center, um, R.I.P. Landmark Sunshine, oh, that yeah, one, so a classic, um, so good. And I'm there, like, uh, that opening weekend. And I don't know that I would recognize A24. There's a lot of movies. You see that little logo come up beforehand, and you're like, oh, that's a that's a cool-looking logo, maybe. Or, oh, I recognize that one from something. Some of them are solid brands. Yeah. Now, A24 is that brand. When you see it come up before the movie, you go, this is going to be good. At least it's going to be quality. At least it's going to be creative. Like, yeah. there's going to be some artistic merit to what I'm about to see. Then I don't, I wouldn't recognize it, obviously. It's the first movie that they have. But within a couple few years, I have a few friends who are like hardcore film buff dudes like me. Every new movie, we're talking about it similar to the way you and I do. And at some point, we're like, hey, this A24 company, like you see that logo, you know it's good. Like what's going on there? What are they about? Who yeah. who are these folks? Where'd they come from? Because it's rare to have an entertainment company deliver so many successful results, keep the lights on. Because yeah, there's a lot of artistic dreamers out there that put out a couple movies they lose money and they're gone and then and do it so consistently without selling out and without shuttering their doors a24 has been doing that for 10 solid straight years um and i remember uh being there in the theater for uh charles swan and uh i know we're gonna get into that in a little bit so i'll, I'll save some of like the the review from it but yeah it's been a good 10 years for that film company and the, their brand is strong as hell. I like, we've mentioned them before in, in these conversations you and I have so many times just yeah. because the consistency and it's in my mind, it is the Mount Everest of what an entertainment company can and should be. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm glad you, you brought up the whole logo thing too, because it it is, it is one of those now most recognizable brands in the movie industry. You know, and like you said, it causes people to get excited. You know, like the minute you see a trailer and now what they do with their trailers is they somehow try to incorporate the logo within like the aesthetics of the trailer. The minute that logo pops up, everyone's just like, oh, wait a minute. They take yeah. pause and be like, all right, I'm going to now be paying attention to this. Right. Um, and it's it's phenomenal how a small what started off as a very small company has become this big mega you know, company that allows for this creativity to go out there and they produce so many new things every year. You know, we talked about prior to going live or recording this, um, that they do TV too, you know, and we're just talking about movies in this episode, but you could like, someone could do it a whole separate episode, just talking about their TV uh, deals and their TV stuff that they produce for TV. It's so many that they do and it still keeps it within the same uh, A24 look and feel and creativity, too. I mean, you were talking about, like, Euphoria, a show like that that a lot of people watch, right? And 
but it's one of those like groundbreaking kind of uh, series that is it touches on such like heavy, dark, um, you know, realistic subject matter and all that. But only a company like A24 can put out something like that. Um, so, yeah, so I, I've, I've been very uh, happy that I've allowed myself to start exploring more of the A24 library this week. Uh, just kind of like preparing for this episode, I think I watched five A24 movies this week. Oh, shit. <laughs> movies that I haven't seen ever. So a lot of first times and all that stuff like that. And I'm just like, wow, that was so good. Wow, that was crazy. You know, like, oh my God, this is like nuts. You know, but I didn't come away with any of those movies being like, oh, that was shit. Or that was like a waste of time. And that's the thing. Major studios have put out movies even more than A24. And you could say half of those things are garbage, right? Like A24, it's rare to find a movie that, you know, is just pure trash. Now, it may not gel with you like how it might gel with somebody else, but that doesn't mean it's not a good movie or a well-done movie like that. It's just sometimes things... And again, the great thing about movies, it's subjective. So things hit people differently, like whatever the case is, right? But... I was just like so happy and excited. So let's talk about. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Last week, we started this conversation so differently. We used the word doozy because yeah. we did the same, like watch a bunch of these this studios movies and it was Netflix. Yep. And they do a few like they have that little A24 thing they try to do with like throwing money to indie creators. And then there was a lot of like just crap. And A24, yeah. I, I love this episode. And I was going through my list, making my top 10. And you're right. It was very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. I found out I'd seen 44 A24 movies over the years. Some might even know where A24 because it went back when I saw them. And it's just like their consistency is absolutely unreal. So, yeah, yeah definitely the feeling we have right now compared to in that excitement oh. when we did our homework of being like, this is fun now, especially after last week. Complete opposite. Complete opposite. Like like what we were saying, like after watching all those Netflix movies, we're just like, oh my God, this was just torture at certain points. For me, watching the five movies I watched this week, and I won't go into them because I may pick some of them for the draft later. So I'm gonna keep them too close to the okay. vest. But I did not feel that way at all. I was just like, I wish I saw this earlier. I you know, I don't know why I waited so long, you know, but I'm glad I did, and I'm going to continue to do so because, like I said, I am late to the game and all that, and there's a lot of stuff that they put out that I need to catch up on. But one of those movies that I will mention and we're going to talk about is, like I said um, earlier, it's A24's very first film that they distributed back in... um, So we were talking about it. like It made kind of like the film festival circuit in 2012. Again, that's when A24 launched. Um, but it was released theatrically in February of 2013. And that is a glimpse inside the mind of Charles Swan III. So I was able to catch this. It's playing on HBO Max right now. Hopefully, by the time you watch this and, and or listen, it's still showing on that platform because HBO is doing a lot of crazy things right now, especially HBO Max, and they're getting rid of a lot of shows or whatever the case is. But for this one... Uh, it stars Charlie Sheen, again, two years after the whole crazy blow-up of Sheen all over the news, saying crazy stuff, doing a lot of crazy stuff and all that. And I thought that was really brilliant that their first outing stars this very controversial figure. Um, and again, it also reminded me of how back in the day, companies like Miramax would rejuvenate the careers of certain people. 
um, Pulp Fiction I, I mentioned where John Travolta was like forgotten for a very long time. And then Tarantino just comes in and say, you know what? You're going to lead up my new movie or whatever the case is. Um, it's directed by Roman Coppola. And uh, one of the things that I didn't realize while I was watching this movie is that because one of the first reactions I got was like, you know, this reminds me of like a Wes Anderson film because um, it's very bright. It's very quirky. It's very like sometimes over the top. But also it has a humor like you would find in a Ferrelli Brothers movie, right? So it's like a mix between Wes and Ferrelli. Turns out that as I did my research, Cope Roman co-wrote with Wes Anderson on multiple Wes Anderson films. So I'm just like, no wonder why it had that same you know look and feel. Even the way the movie ended and everything. It's just it's just it has that same vibe. So I was like, ah. Oh. No wonder why I'm actually enjoying this movie quite a bit because I'm a huge fan of Wes Anderson. So um, the movie itself, just like the main character who has an overactive imagination, the movie plays out like an overactive imagination realized on screen. You know, like I said, everything is bright. A lot of like wacky scenarios. The acting is sometimes to the point where it's like overacting. Um, but that was the point, you know, because like, everything is just... Um, so surreal and over the top, you know, it also stars Bill Murray and Jason Schwartzman, who I also find really hilarious because them two pair up on a lot of Wes Anderson films. So here they are with Roman doing um, this movie. The dialogue sometimes it's like so out of left field. Um, but at the end of the day, this one guy who is obviously sex crazed and goes through his life uh, as an artiste of photography and design you know he he ends he realized that he's getting older in age um and his one true love he's no longer with but it's his journey of realizing why this person is so important to him and you kind of gonna see like his life through the lens of multiple different facets and through multiple different people and all that stuff like that so i thought it was very well done it is it definitely sets the tone of A24 as far as the type of films that they're looking forward to and looking into as far as distributing and later on down the road producing on their own. So uh, what were you, you saw this way long time ago, way before I did, and you actually saw it in the theater. So what was your reaction when you saw this movie for the first time? So <clears throat> I definitely I'm glad you got rehashed just now because I don't recall the specifics. Um, this we're talking 10 I guess this comes out so they start as a company 10 years ago this yeah. comes out like nine and a half years ago right as their first official release um, I remember it, it was a similar feeling to that Wes Anderson kind of feeling and mm -hmm. definitely got the Wes Anderson vibes and especially around that time and a few years prior there's a lot of people doing Wes Anderson style movies there's a few times you get burned where you're like okay they tried to do that cutesy <laughs> idiosyncratic quirky hipster indie thing and it's it's just it's more of a copy. Um, this one I felt like was legit, pulled it off, solid writing for sure. Oh yeah. And I definitely appreciate good writing in a film. It might be one of my one of the things that can make or break a movie more than anything else for me personally. The fact that he co-wrote movies with Wes Anderson, including the year before they did Moonrise Kingdom and got nominated for the Oscar before. Yep. Uh, we're talking about Roman Coppola. Um, it makes sense, and so. I remember having that feeling of it, the joke is 
you look at the reviews for it. I remember even at the time, it was like, okay, people are shitting on this movie. It looks like that kind of movie I would like. I'm going to go check it out. And I genuinely loved it. Um, I'm not, we're going to do the draft a little later. I won't tell you like how high it is on my list, um, but it might pop up there. I remember like being elated after the movie and kind of when you see something, your expectations are lower. You'd read some reviews, you go see it. And then just, I've, it was one of those indie movies that hit really well. And I was elated. I get really excited when I see what I feel like is an original good movie. Those are sadly too rare. Um, So I really, really enjoyed it. For my homework this week, I was looking into the reviews and it was worse than I realized. We're talking about (laughs) 16 it, as of today 16% on rotten tomatoes 28% wow. on metacritic 4.6 out of 10 on imdb which isn't terrible and then 2 out of 5 stars on letterboxd but more damning is it has four fans which letterboxd uses as like people who put it in their top 4 movies so mm-hmm. there's four humans in the world on letterboxd we have this in their top 4 movies that's it that's a really low number there's a lot of just like piece of crap movies that have way more than that right um I didn't realize that the reviews were that bad. And to my mind, I don't know what all Roman Coppola has directed since then. I know he's created projects, worked on projects, done things. There's a little bit of a nepotism problem here, too. And I'm wondering if you have time with that because he's first cousins with Jason Schwartzman. Yeah. Jason Schwartzman in Wes Anderson's first movies. Um, and, and or Sorry, in Rushmore, one of Wes Anderson's first movies. That I don't know how the connections happen or who meets who when. Um, and, and how, how much Wes Anderson is just a part of that family or whatever. But getting Jason Schwartzman in his movie, Their Cousins, getting it funded probably wasn't much of a, a uphill battle. Sure. Him getting his Hollywood bona fides through Wes Anderson, I'm assuming, like, Sofia Coppola has really, really great movies. She has some that aren't as good nowadays. Like, I it's been... Uh, it's been a while. It's been a minute since there's one, like, on the level. Um, this one, it flops pretty hard and I wonder to what degree, like people are being hard on him or maybe some like industry, like if the reviews are that bad across the board, including fans, like it's not good, but like Charlie Sheen was a controversial pick to have as the star of the movie. I remember finding him entertaining. I was a bit of not quite a devil's advocate, like, but this dude's going through issues. He has Mm -hmm. drug problems. He has mental health issues. Like, I don't think that we necessarily need to say this guy should never act again. Um, I, I don't know, I don't even, it feels like such ancient history, but the fact that these were so close together, yeah, there was some like, is this a comeback kind of thing? Is this some weird fluke? Like, I don't know when the contracting happened, but if it was during that time or when he agreed to do this movie, I don't know. I don't know if Charlie Sheen has had that many legit projects since then. Back in the day, he's doing stuff with some really legit directors. Yeah. Um, and he was on that TV that? show that was, like, going on for a long time, too. Okay. I'm not putting that in the category of super legit <laughs> uh, artistic merit projects. but um, No, but he was working. He, he was working. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was working yeah. maybe a little too much. Maybe he just needed a little bit uh, too much oomph uh, yeah. in his life. Two and a half men, that's what it was. Dude's yeah. in Wall Street, and then I always get it confused with another one. Is it Platoon and Oliver Stone movies? Like, he had bona fides for sure early hot on. Hot Shots. Especially. Hot Shots and Hot Shots Part Two. I mean, I love, come on. I love where you go with, <laughs> with the blockbuster knowledge. Um, Hell yeah. I love that. Um, he's in Being John Malkovich. I forgot he had that. Oh, yeah. There. That's mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah. We don't need to go down Charlie Sheen's filmography. But... This was, to me, this was like more of an indie critical kind of thing. And he'd been let go from Two and a Half Men at that sure. point. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know what's been going on with him. Hope he's doing well. But shout out Charlie Sheen for being in this quirky, idiosyncratic indie movie and the being yeah. in the very first A24 film. And it, I think it does a good job of setting the stage for what A24 is to become is we're not going to be worried about the box office and critical success. We're going to make some decisions that are a little bit unique. And I kind of like the fact that their first movie is not well-reviewed and well-beloved by everyone. And they said, fuck it, and kept going. Yeah. Uh, a lot of directors, they have a bomb and they can't make another movie. Right. Um, A24, I don't know what their financial situation is or was at the time. And if, you know, if you bomb a couple times early on, but then it's not too long before they start having um, Oscar success and some proper financial success, which we'll get into when we, when we go through more of their movies. But um, that's, that, that was what I uh, remember from uh, inside the mind of Charles Swan seeing it in theaters and just like, okay, this is a special, unique, weird movie. I really liked it. Um, and I did not know what it would portend for, for the <laughs> A24. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think one of the, the brilliant things also about the movie, too, is like the character that Charlie is playing can be compared to himself, really, like kind of going through similar situations. You know, they have their forms of addiction. You know, they have their breakdowns and their moments like that. You know, their lust for life and women and all that stuff like that. So it, it is kind of brilliant how, in, in essence, he was playing himself. And maybe for him, this was therapeutic, right? Maybe for him, this was like how to cope with all the events that happened in the last couple of years prior to that. Um, but I also do wonder that, you know, with such low ratings and everything like that, like how people would feel about if this movie was released today, you know, yeah. because I feel like the palette for a movie like this is a little bit more tolerable now than it was back in 2013. Um, so I am very curious, like if people were to revisit this movie today, what would the sentiments and, and uh, perception be then at that point? You know, because, you know, time is always important, right? And who knows? You, you've heard it before. Oh, they were way ahead of their time when this came out or blah, 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 and that. So could this be another situation? I mean, I just saw it this week and I loved it. You know, you saw it back then. You loved it. So maybe it's just us. But I am very curious, like how critics would, would uh, think about it. You know, especially if it was viewed for the first time today. But look, I'm sure a lot of you watching and or listening probably have no idea what this movie is. But if you would like a nice introduction to A24, I think this is one of the easiest movies to get into uh, for sure. Uh, because a lot of the movies that Blake and I will probably be talking about in a minute when we go through our draft can be complex and can like formulate a lot of different emotions and feelings and all that stuff like that. This is very, very straightforward. And like I said, if you are a fan of Wes Anderson, then this is like within the same vein of his type of movies. And it's only 86 minutes long. Yeah. Love, love a clean runtime. Oh, yeah. Bless. So, so much more digestible on HBO Max, uh, as you mentioned. Um, definitely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's got Wes Anderson, but it's also got more adult themes. And sure. I kind of like that because Wes Anderson yeah. can be a little bit prudent when it comes to touching on tough stuff. Cutesy, very cutesy. cutesy. Yeah, uh, it's a little yeah. precious. And this one will delve more into that stuff, and I, I like that, where it's a dude who's writing a lot of everyone's favorite Wes Anderson movies, but then saying, okay, we're going to we're gonna cut the cutesy and get a little more real with it, and right. a little more, like, dreamy and imaginative. Um, and I, I, I thought it was, it's at the very least well-written. It's got a oh, yeah. solid cast from Bill Murray, Jason Schwartzman, 
Charlie Sheen. Um, I, and yeah, him doing the Charlie Sheen thing similar to himself. That's a really smart move at that time in his career. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people have done that over time. They either parody themselves, they do something so ridiculous or outlandish out there, whatever. That was a pretty solid move for him. Um, I wish that the movie had been more beloved. I'm I'm also curious what it's like, what it would be like if it's released now. In 2012, we weren't as starved for indie movies and yeah. indie dramas or comedies the way that we are now. Now it's so rare where blockbuster movies um, have and and just the studios requiring large budgets they spend a bunch of money and they need a big return and that's like the model for it feels like so many companies other than a24 mm-hmm. nowadays i actually think it probably would be better reviewed. there's a lot of indie movies you see and they people are like oh thank you this was an originally written movie that's not based on ip top five of the year like mm-hmm. automatically um back in the day you have movies like kramer versus kramer like being number one in the box office kind of yep. thing yep. um that wasn't uncommon and then like it just become less common over time and especially recently in the last 10 years god bless a24 for for sticking with it this whole time for sure yeah and especially like in a day of streaming like art with streaming nowadays if a movie like this came out on a streaming service oh my god so many people would be watching it you know because like we said before we just watched a slew of netflix original movies and more than half of those things were just awful to watch were just painful if this was like a Netflix original movie, I'd be like, wow, this was really fun. This was different. This was unique, you know, uh, entertaining and all that stuff. Um, so, again, it would be really, really interesting to see what people would think about it. So here's your homework, those of you watching and listening. If you have not seen this movie, I challenge you, check this movie out and then let us know what you think about it in the comments, because we would love to hear your thoughts and all that. And we've been having a lot of great conversations with a lot of you. So definitely this is one of those movies that I think could spark that conversation and a conversation about a 24 movies and all that moving forward. So, Hey everybody, are you a fan of collectibles, action figures, Funko pops and all that stuff like that? Do me a favor and visit entertainmentearth.com and you won't be sorry. Entertainment Earth is the premier place online for the latest and greatest toys, the most exciting action figures, and the coolest gifts and collectibles pop culture has to offer. From television, movies, sports, celebrities, comics, internet memes, and every fandom in between, they drop new products daily and curate their selection so that you don't miss out. Whether you're looking for something stellar from a galaxy far, far away with Star Wars, or from the streets of Gotham City with DC Comics, they've got surprises for everyone. Get access to exclusive releases and limited run pre-ordered. You can even reserve hard-to-find items before they arrive. From Funko to Hasbro, all your favorite vendors are represented in their robust catalog of cool collectibles. Take advantage of their unparalleled industry expertise and make your collection as worthy as Marvel's Thor. They are pleased to offer risk-free shopping with their industry-leading mint condition guarantee and hassle-free 90-day returns. Find that grail you're seeking for yourself or someone you love. And because I know how special they are and how they're going to be great for a lot of you out there, I worked a special deal with them that if you check out the link featured in the description of this episode, you will get 10% off plus free shipping over orders of $40 or more. I mean, that is fantastic, don't you think? Now, the 10% discount is only good for uh, in-stock merchandise, so it doesn't work for any pre-orders, but 
if you take a look at their site, there's going to be a lot of stuff they have in stock that you're probably want to get. So again, visit that special link in the description of this episode to take advantage of this awesome 10% offer plus free shipping and buy yourself or a loved one something really cool. Entertainment Earth, so many toys, so much fun. That being said, here's the fun part. This is where we're going to go. So here, here's what's happening right now. So let me explain what exactly we're going to be doing. So we decided because A24's library is like really huge. And like Blake and I said, it was very tough for us to just come up with our top 10 list and all that because there's just so many movies that we really enjoyed. Blake came up with the idea that he heard from a which podcast was it? The Big Picture was the first podcast I, saw, I heard do this. A few others have taken it on. Okay, cool. So basically what we're going to do is that we're going to create this draft, right? So um, we're going to see who go, who picks first. So if you're familiar with draft processes, like one person picks first, the other person picks next, and then we keep going until each of us have picked 10 movies. And from that, as we pick, you know, we can't repeat each other's picks. So let's say, for example, Blake picks a movie that I had on the list or I had in my mind. I can't pick that movie anymore, right? But we'll talk about each of the movies and why we've selected them and all that. We're not going to try to do each other dirty. We're not going to try to pick something that we think the other person is going to pick just to be like, Haha, I got it before you did. We're just going through gut feeling here and whatever um, hits us the best and that we already had in our mind probably that would make our list anyway. So um, am I missing anything or that's basically it? I like the um, the the idea of a draft rather than top ten list because then we just don't we don't get to repeat. That's basically right. the main difference, and we're doing it just based on favor. It's not necessarily like this is the best one. And yeah. I'm gonna have some blind spots. I I don't watch horror movies almost ever, just personal reasons. So yeah. there's gonna be a couple on there that uh, like just go for them, grab them. Sure. Um, yeah. Don't worry about that. The only question we have is how we pick first, and I have an idea. Okay, I, I want to hear your uh, idea because I have one yeah, too. But all, yeah, it, you're you're the boss. But um, for my birthday, uh, I got a pair of A24 socks and an <laughs> A24 T-shirt, both of which are in the laundry because they're my favorite two piece of clothing items that I wear as soon as I get my laundry back. And tomorrow happens to be laundry day. But I happen to have the tag with the A24 logo from you know how they wrap the socks up and the yep. whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we could flip this, or flip <laughs> I'm happy to do whatever. Um, as long as you don't rig it for yourself, you son of a Yeah, no, of course. Um, no, I, that, that is a funny idea. And that probably would have played out better if we were in the same studio, you know, and all right. that. But I, I think I have an easier way to do it. So I went on Google yeah. and I found something called a random number generator. Love that one. Okay. Yep. So from one to 10, each of us will pick a number. And then whatever number comes closest, that person picks first. How, do how does that 24? sound? Let's do one to twenty-four. Exactly, I like that. Right? I like that. I like that. Okay, so so we'll do that. Um, what what would your number be? Fuck, dude. Okay, wait. It's whoever's closest. Yeah, and we're not doing prices right rules. Like if it's over, you know, that's okay. Fine. So if I, I'm gonna say thirteen, and then I'll get the bot the, that half of the numbers if you go 12 sure i'll say i'm gonna say 13 lucky number 13 13 okay i'm going to go hmm <clears throat> i'm gonna go with 17 terrible choice that's the worst <laughs> <laughs> okay all right yeah, all right i really do. all right all right let's see i'm gonna hit the generate button now 
please win. Ten. So you have the first pick. See, I didn't want this because it's so much pleasure. <laughs> You're asking me right now to pick my number one all-time A24 movie that's messed up. I thought we were friends. How dare you? Come on. It'll be fun. I cannot do it. <laughs> it brings me. Um, I'm not going to do it out loud, which is even more difficult. I'm going to go off my gut. Uh, you know me. I'm a spreadsheet dude. I'm a rank yeah. everything dude. I went through the 44 I'd seen on Letterboxd in order of where I rank them. I put them in tiers, etc. I have exactly 10 in my top tier list, just coincidentally. Or I'm like, okay. these are impeccable, perfect, great movies. All the other ones, like all the movies they've made are oh my good. God. I'm going to go. I'm not saying this is officially forever all time. My number one A24 movie, but <laughs> I am going to go with Ex Machina. Nice. Oh, I'm so good about that. I feel nice. great about it. I love Ex Machina. I That's, that was on my list too. Yeah. Ex Machina, when it comes out, because that's the first year that they get Oscar nominations for A24. Mm -hmm. um, that, that year it was the movie Amy gets documentary. That's an A24 movie about yep. Amy Winehouse, RIP. Um, Room is gets gets them some nominations the most yep. of the, of that year. That's their first year getting any, and then um, Ex Machina gets including Best Picture. Um, this is only two years. Uh, like these movies are coming out two years after, so they'd be the following Oscars. They're coming out two years after Charles Swan. So the fact that they went from zero to like about ten Oscar nominations that year is just wild. I guess it'd be seven, eight. Unbelievable. This one gets um, original screenplay and visual effects. Oscar Isaacs, uh, Alicia Vikander, Oscar Isaac, Alicia Vikander, <clears throat> Donald Gleason. Mm -hmm. Amazing cast, absolutely great writing, perfect directing from Alex Garland. It's his debut feature, yep. which is a lovely bet to make on anybody. Mm -hmm. Paid off big time. Um, and I think more than anything, because I have a couple others that you already know are on my list, like hard favorites and yeah. movies that I probably even would say are better and that I like more. But this one is the one I've rewatched the most times. And there's different ways you can look at great movies, how much you love them. They speak to you personally. I think one of my favorite metrics for ranking movies is how many times have I watched this one? Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily say it's the best, most critically acclaimed, greatest. There's a lot of Oscar best picture movies that are crap. And there's a lot of ones that are just like, I don't want to watch that a second time. That one's a little hard to swallow. And there's yeah. a few A24 movies. Like you said, they're either more complicated or a little more like just heavy and deep and beautiful, but that I have not rewatched or have only watched a couple times. Ex Machina, I probably watched maybe 10 times since it came out in 2015. So it's just such, it is a combo of that indie darling movie and blockbuster. What if, what if, fucking um adrenaline rush of a movie but still very artistically done so i'm going number one ex machina no regrets hey no you shouldn't because Ooh. that movie is and i think and we've mentioned this before i think ex machina really helped put a24 on the map because of the recognition that this movie got okay. that year alone like you said you know room and um uh, the Amy Winehouse documentary, like like a lot of people started talking about, like whoa, where did these guys come from, right? 
great thing I love about this movie is that it really helped launch careers. You know, like oh, yeah. Alicia Vikander started, uh, like, became a big name, started, like, starring in a lot of things. Oscar Isaac. Yo. The, one of the hardest working actors right now in Hollywood. This guy is attached to so many different things. Mr. Star Wars himself. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's unbelievable. And, like, you know, and it, we really get to see his acting chops for the very first time. And this dude yep. really is brilliant. Donald Gleason, again, Star Wars also, you know, and then, you know, launched a really great career for himself. Uh, Sonoya Mizuno, your favorite. Yeah, because... On Off-Broadway, and I was looking through her phone, I was like, oh, yeah, she was an ex-Machina. Yeah. It's the second movie, but the first one doesn't even have a wiki article. It, uh, it's just, like, something you can't click. This is her first, like, proper movie. Mm-hmm. That's wild. And now she's a big fave of ours. La La Land. Uh, oh, my God. Versions, uh, Maniac on Netflix. Uh, Devs, the TV show by the same director, yep. Alex Garland. They work together again big time. Yep. Sorry, I stole your thunder on that one. Oh, no, please. I, I know she's your favorite. I love her, too. And and now, even bigger, she is uh, in the new HBO series um, uh, House of the Dragon, uh, the Game of Thrones prequel. So yeah. she's in that. So, I mean, I remember because I, I saw the first episode. And I was like, wait a minute. She's in this, too? And I'm like, wow. Talk about hardest working person on tv like she finds herself attached to a lot of projects so uh this is definitely uh one of those movies that really really helped launch a lot of these careers and and put a lot of these faces in front of us for the very first time so very very well done um and i love your pick thank you i'm glad i picked it first for that reason um especially for the reason that if a24 is putting people on and then, and then their directors are then putting people on, and then you get to yeah. see it like just keep going. That's part of why they've been so successful. So hell yeah, ex machina, hundred percent. Nice. No, I love it. I love it. Um, and also because of the subject matter of ex machina, it talks about you know uh, AI and and all that stuff like that. So my pick, just to kind of like go along and coincide with your pick, I'm not saying necessarily this is my number one favorite. But it's on my list because I was going to say, like, if I had a chance to say Ex Machina, I was going to say this as a follow-up. <clears throat> and that is when, uh, something that's more recent for them, and that is After Yang. So After Yang, um, I watched it this week for the very first time, and emotional just downpour. I was just, like, blown away with how well this movie was written. Basically, the movie is about... Uh, a family who lives in a f- in the future. It's not it hasn't been really classified as to what year or whatever the case is. But sentient beings is a, a norm for them, and they're used by families to kind of welcome into the family to either be a cultural uh, liaison, someone who teaches about culture, um, maybe someone who is like a babysitter or whatever the case is. This person was brought in to help with their newly adopted child who is Chinese, and they wanted someone to teach her the Chinese culture and heritage and all that stuff. Later on, the movie keeps going, and, you know, I don't want to, like, give too many details, but you get to experience the life of this, you know, sentient being uh, throughout his creation and throughout his existence that helps the family realize the importance of love and family and um you know 
being cared for by loved ones and for and caring for loved ones and all that and it was just really brilliantly written brilliantly directed Colin Farrell's in it um the the young girl who plays the the daughter she was fantastic like I, I don't know who she is never heard of her before but she was so good in this movie and again very emotional very 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 um heartwarming and everything um Haley Lou Richardson also is in this movie as well Jodie Turner Smith plays the wife um and Justin H Min is Yang the the sentient being but very well done very well acted um this premiered in Sundance um I believe this year uh, I didn't have a chance to see it but it was later on picked up by A24 um after that and it was released on as a Hulu exclusive so um, it's you could find it there. You can find it on Showtime. But I highly recommend this movie because I feel like Ex Machina kind of goes into the depths of AI and how it could be manipulated almost to a certain point where it's like a negative thing. Mm. This explores AI in a different pers- a perspective where it's about uh, a lot more wholesomeness and the importance of capturing the beauty in everyday lives and um, sharing that love and beauty with those that you are around with and everything like that. So very, very kind of opposites, but I, I love how it, it is funny how A24 back in the day had a movie like this, and now moving yeah. forward, A24 does a movie that is kind of like the opposite of that message, you know, which, but both very well done movies. So, so after Yang, that's, that's the, the, definitely going to be on my list there. So. I don't have anything to add because I haven't seen it yet, but I'm glad you put that your number one. <clears throat> if you're talking about an indie darling kind of film studio, one of the things that they're awesome at is like that. Hey, did you see this movie? Like yeah. that kind of thing with, with, that you have with your your buddies. You're like, this was special. You need to check this one out. Yeah, for sure. The fact that they, and when I was going through their list of movies, there's a bunch like that. Thank you for recommending that one. The fact that you put number one on your list, I did not expect it to be that high. <laughs> I have not seen it. I did not know that you held it in such high esteem. I will definitely go watch that one now. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, of course. Number two. Am I doing it? Number two. Go for it. I, I don't even know if I have to say. I, you could probably guess. Everything, everywhere, all at yep. once. Of course. Is I it, knew that was coming. Bias? Of course not. It's one of the greatest films of all time. We have a whole episode where we went hard. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't know if I have more words. I feel confident <laughs> now. At the time, because that was earlier this year. When we first released, when we did that episode, it was at that time it was our, our biggest numbers today. Yeah. And there was this question of like, will it have legs? How successful will it be? So the only thing I'm going to use this time for is not to go back into the movie and rehash it. I'm sure. assuming everyone who's watching this is the kind of person who's already seen it. Or if you haven't, go watch it after this episode. The What I will do is like a little bit of re catch up because I'm sure at Oscar time we'll be talking about it again. I feel very confident about that now. At the time we're going, will this make money? Will it get its money back? It probably, it's been, it looks like it'll do some numbers, but it had only been a limited release when we did that. And it was, we we did that episode right before it went wide. So check out that episode for sure after this one. Um, If you haven't, you'll hear all of our thoughts on it. But what's been really nice is it's had that kind of like parasite thing where indie movie, word of mouth people excited about it and the next thing you know it is a phenomenon and Mm -hmm. it was such a phenomenon um it is a really special movie i'm so glad like i i get personal like i take these things like seriously like i get emotional about them like 
you have this favorite thing, you don't know how the world will receive it. And then something that you found to be so incredible and beautiful, everyone else who saw every friend was like, yo, that was incredible and beautiful. There's yeah. gotta be some people out there in the world who like, don't love it on that same type of level, but nobody is like, it's got so much love that when you're looking at their A24's top reviewed movies on Letterboxd, which is like a, a, a movie app for cinephiles specifically, it is the number one reviewed movie that they have ever created, which is saying a lot for a movie with such a damn track record. So I'm sure we'll get into everything everywhere. I'm now confident. I know we debated at the time. I'm now confident. Uh, and maybe I'll play one of your clips. And you're like, I don't know if it'll get Oscar <laughs> when we get there. But in the meantime, that movie still has 4.5 stars on Letterboxd. And the number two A24 movie which I'm, we, one of us will pick this one at some point either way. I'll mention is is Moonlight at four point two, and and everything everywhere has four point five. Like that's crazy. It's their most beloved movie, and if we're talking box office, which is another oh, yeah. thing, not only is it beloved by film people, cinephile folks, it's the number one box office movie they have. Where at last count that I even checked was like hundred million. Wild. Yeah. The next one, Hereditary, eighty million. Lady Bird, 79 million. Moonlight, 65. Uncut Gems, 50 million. That's their top five. Their number one movie has twice as much money as their number five movie. That's how much the word of mouth got people out there, which we're talking about, like, this isn't a common movie. It's not an easy sell. It's not IP. It's got a lot of things that the superhero movies have, and, like, it could be an audience for everyone. And people found this movie and loved it, paid money to go see it. I am so damn glad. So that's that's all I have to say about about everything no. everywhere. That's my number two choice for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, <clears throat> if I wasn't going on the route of like just countering your pick, this oh, would okay. have been my first pick too. Interesting. Um, yeah, because okay. I, I we like you said in the episode that we did about this movie, we just couldn't stop talking about it. We just sure. fell in love with this movie, and it it to this day. Now, it could be because maybe we're not having like a grand year as far as movies is concerned, but it's still my top two movie of the year. Uh, you know, again, you asked me on a different week. On top Gun Maverick. But then just keep going. But the thing is like, okay, I, I'm a child of I'm a child of the eighties, you know, know, and know. it definitely has a nostalgia feel, whatever the case is. But it's super fun. Yeah. But but still, like any given week, I'll be like, no, everything, everywhere, all at once. That's my favorite movie of the year. But the fact that so many months after its release, it's still in the in the conversation. It's still being talked about. And exactly what you said before, A24 does this really great job of producing and distributing film that could lead to potential conversations and word of mouth. And this was definitely one of them. Right. They, they gave this project, uh, or they allowed this project to be helmed by two directors who were formerly known as music video directors, right, basically. And they came up with this brilliant story, and they directed a brilliant film with Michelle Yeoh, like a very top name, allowing her to really act her ass off. And we get to see many different aspects of her creativity and her acting styles and everything like that. Uh, introduce us to uh, up and coming people like like the I forget the the name of the actress who plays the daughter in the movie, but people are paying attention to her now. Bringing back someone who's retired from Hollywood, who we haven't seen since the '80s, right? Um, you know, having him play 
the the husband of of the character there. So it, it's just like it's like a brilliant um, domino effect of things that just worked out and that ended up creating this like really great product at the end of the day. So yeah, if you want to hear really our in depth thoughts about this movie, check out that episode we did. Um, we had a lot of great conversations from the comments on that, and a lot of people who shared their their feelings about the movie and how it touched them in different ways. Uh, and I, I'm still hearing that even today. Like like people just watching it for the first time, they're like, "Oh my god, that movie is just brilliant." Yeah. So uh, yeah. Seriously, I, I'm I'm not gonna keep geeking out on it. It's in your top two movies of the year. I just checked on Letterboxd. It is my number six movie of all time. Maybe between five and eight, depending on the day. Yeah. But like special special movie that was a question i remember too that we were asking the time like where will this land it's we got this uh-huh. reason to bias that reason to bias is starting to fade and like it still holds up so it still holds up for sure and now i'm curious what you do with your number two if your strategy is to counter mine <laughs> well um i guess in a way it is kind of a counter to yours um or maybe not i don't know but it is, it is also a movie that came out this year um and talking about top movies of the year uh objectively i would also say this is like one of my favorite a24 movies because of how it touched me and that is marcel the shell with shoes on yeah like that movie again uh, something that i was not familiar with like you were familiar with jenny slate and the youtube shorts and everything like that which later on became best-selling children's books and whatever the case is i was not aware of any of that until i saw the trailer for this movie for the first time then we started talking about it. Then I started going on YouTube and do, and doing my research. Then I saw the movie. And this movie ha- just did it for me. Like, it just had all the feels. It had everything. The the level of innocence and looking at life in, in the eyes of someone. Just very different point of view and perspective. It was just such a heartwarming and touching film. Um, I think it was one. Of, it's one of those films that we sometimes need every now and then, especially with things happening in the world today. Um, it's just a nice way to kind of think about life in general, um, from you know, basically through the eyes of Marcel. Um, and what's great about this movie too is like all of this is coming from, and I've mentioned this in the past, from a character that doesn't look aesthetically pleasing at all <laughs> you know you look at marcel he looks like a weird little freaky thing but once he starts talking and once he starts interacting with his family and the the narrator the the person doing the documentary like that's where the true essence and charm of the character comes out and you you fall in love with this character right away so love this movie i know you saw it but it didn't touch you as as much as it did me right we talked about it in our i think we talked about this one in our first half of the year look back Mm -hmm. kind of thing um so i'm not gonna go too deep into it basically i had higher expectations i'm such a big fan of jenny slate like i've seen her do live comedy was a fan on snl uh and remember they're like what they didn't renew her contract I remember Marcel, um, I don't know if it was right then or a little bit after it came out, but within a couple of years or so, like definitely it came into my attention. It was one of those uh, viral um, YouTube before TikTok and like before, um, like it was a, it was a different era of vir- virality. Yeah. Um, and I remember it was very special. Like I owned two, of, they have children's books actually. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice little gift if you, if you know somebody who's a fan of Marcel. So I bought those for somebody. And 
it had a special place in my heart. Now the movie hit it. Like it did a good job for sure. I think once there was a human involved and the grandmother, and I didn't expect that necessarily, it did make it a more exactly how you described it. And I'm not trying to take anything away from it. I think it was more that I was thrown and maybe it was just like we've talked about before, like the day I saw it a few weeks late, if I'd seen an opening night with a, the, a better crowd or if I'd been in a certain mood, whatever. So I'm, I don't want to take anything away from Marcel the Shell. That is a solid number two pick, and it is a very sweet, lovely, well-done movie that I think anybody um, should see. And it's one of those, like... And A24 doesn't have enough of these, like those heartwarming movies. No. Like, there's a little bit of, like... You know, it's got the Toy Story thing. There'll be a little bit of sadness, but then it's really yeah. heartwarming at the end kind of thing. A lot of there's where there's a heartwarming. It's like, okay, that person went through a lot. And yeah. you watched... Yeah. yeah. Um, th- so that's a great pick for your number two for sure yeah I, w- I would say just to close it off too like in in my review that i did about the movie i said this is like one of the only a24 movies that you could take the whole family to watch <laughs> you know yeah because if you look at the library the subject matter is just so complex or so dark or whatever the case is they're also i mean a24 is known for like horror movies too i mean you can't take the whole family to watch a lot of these movies this is the one right now that you could take the whole family to go watch and uh, it 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 pleased me what can i say all right, all right. you're on the clock I'm going you're on the clock yep. oh no uh i am going uncut gems nice i'm not i, I was expecting that you were or weren't yeah i was i was okay. yeah 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 i'm going just i'm going flush baby i'm going just the the the, the hits um Uncut Gems, we talked about actually in our episode last week when we were talking about Netflix movies, The Hustle, Adam Sandler, drama, serious roles. And we, we, we touched on Uncut Gems. You and I weren't doing this show at the time. If we had, we would have spent a lot of time talking about Uncut Gems. We actually saw it together in theaters. Sure. Now. We did. No, we did, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was one of the first, maybe the first movie we ever saw together in theaters at that point in our friendship. Um, and we're not talking about uh, Detective Pikachu every day. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so we talked about it last week in that episode. Um, if at the end of this one, you're they're, they're like too high on all the joy and love we're showing these movies and you want to hear us like shit on some things, like go watch the Netflix episode. It's a pretty different vibe. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. But the uh, Adam Sandler's best dramatic role, n- no shots to punch drunk love, but it's a total different level. He, the fact he didn't get nominated for this one, like still, I, I thought about that the other day, it bugged me. I was like, that's so stupid. It's a basketball movie uh, in that, like, Kevin Garnett, who was my favorite basketball player as a boy, I literally had a Kevin Garnett doll as a kid, like a, an action figure. Um, I don't know why, but for some reason he could change in from a basketball Timberwolves jersey to a suit, like a tuxedo, and I'm not sure. <laughs> but I would change his outfit or whatever. I don't know. Like, it was a toy. Um, it was like a Ken doll, but Kevin, anyway. That's that so movie... Weird. Plus, you add The weekend. Uh, if we're talking about indie darlings who then become big time. And then we're talking about Safety Brothers, which I have another Safety Brothers movie that I don't know where it'll go on here, but um, it's they're very special. A24 has done a good job taking really special film directors who've made maybe one other feature elsewhere or not and then said, hey, here's enough money. You do your thing. I don't know to what degree they're doing oversight or investor, like giving them the resources because they have hit on that bet plenty of times. Yeah. And there's some of these directors who then go on. 
I was looking at when I was going through their movies, I was surprised by how many directors they had put on or helped take them from this level to that level. And what I'm thinking of is, and, and if and some of them moved on, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know enough behind the scenes, uh, inside baseball box office stuff. But we're talking about, um, we saw, we reviewed The Northman. That was a fun episode to do with you. Um, the same director, he had, they did Lighthouse with that director. Um, Greta Gerwig did Lady Bird with yeah. A24. And then um, did, did her next movie, Little Women, elsewhere. Um, we might mention Yorgos Lanthimos' movies at some point in this episode. Um, uh, the Favorite wasn't done with A- A24. Um, Noah Baumbach went on to do uh, Netflix, which we mentioned him a little bit when we were talking about yeah. Third Deal last week. So uh, I, I, this is one of those indie directors. This is also a duo, kind of like Everything Everywhere All at Once, but these are brothers. And just an anxiety attack of a movie perfect indie cinema they have a, another movie that I, I that i love and i was having a hard time choosing between them but when you add the adam sandler and the basketball effect it's 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 definitely number three for me uh yeah. no, nothing like that movie there's if you don't want to feel anxious do not watch that movie because it is so good so well done uh i i could barely walk straight my stomach was in such knots when i left it and when i saw it with y'all that was the second time i'd seen it and it was still damn effective it's one of those I haven't watched a third time, like we were talking about earlier, where I was like, I don't, I gotta be in a really like, now, that I, now you gotta watch it once. It is an incredible yeah. experience. Of yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. But, um, I don't know, what, what are you, were you gonna pick Uncut Gems? What's your thoughts on that? How's so, yeah, so Uncut Gems wasn't on my list, but I recognize that it was a very well done movie. Um, when we watched it in the theater, I think I told you when we, when we left, I felt myself clenching the hand rest basically all, almost throughout 90% of the movie. Like I was clenching and I think I, I held myself back during like at least especially during the last 30 minutes of that movie because oh. it, it, it was just anxiety inducing. It was, oh my God, if, 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 if I was in bad health, I probably would have had a heart attack during that movie. Uh, it was, but again, that that pacing, the acting, the directing, the cuts, like everything was just so brilliantly well done and timed, right? Just right. Um, things that you didn't expect happening, you know, all that stuff, you know, big surprises and whatever the case is. Just, just very well done movie. Now, I I haven't seen it since. Because I think it's one of those movies that, at least for me personally, I can only see once. You know, like I, I, I seen it, I recognize the brilliance of it, but then that's about it. And but I, I am dying to watch the other movies that these directors have made that you've recommended to me in the past. Uh, but I hear they're equally almost the same type of frenetic kind of crazy paced movies and all that. So I need to really just find myself in the right headspace. Um have my cholesterol medication in hand and all that stuff like that because I don't want to, like all of a sudden just pass out or whatever the case is. But but yeah, no, that's a great pick and like I'm not mad at that pick at all. It is a very well done movie and I think you know especially when we talked about hustle, we want to see Adam Sandler do more dramatic roles and this is one of those reasons why it's because he can do such a good job in them. Um, so great pick I, I like that pick a lot too so i'm glad you did and again i, I wasn't surprised because i know how much you really love this movie so 
Um, cool. So moving on to my third pick, as I'm now on the clock, I'm going to go now and dive into the wheelhouse of A24 and what most people do uh, know A24 as. And that is kind of what they are now calling these days hybrid horror movies because uh. it's not like your typical horror that we're used to. It's not like that. But this is one of the horror movies that I allowed myself to watch that opened my mind to watch more horror movies within the A24 world, and that is Midsommar. So Midsommar, brilliant, brilliantly done movie by Ari Aster. Um, it stars Florence Pugh. This is her film debut. Talking about, oh. again, debut. Yes. Correct wow. me if I'm wrong. I may I be wrong. Her. Yeah, I may be wrong, but I believe this is her film debut. Um, but keeping along the lineage of A24, introducing new talent to Hollywood and to audiences and then having them blow up after the case, right? But this was definitely one of those movies that was disturbing both visually and mentally when you allow yourself time to think about what you just saw and everything. Um, you know, it, it, if you don't know the storyline, basically it's like you have a couple that's in a, in a breakup or in the verge of a breakup, but they have a trip that they were remaining to go on together. They decide to go on this retreat because, as uh, recommended from a friend of theirs. They find themselves in, I believe it's Sweden or something like that, in some weird offbeat countryside where basically they get introduced to a cult. And they just see all of these crazy things happening where at the end of the day, Florence's character recognizes that now she is free and happy because, spoiler alert, Everyone around her that she was there with dies. <laughs> and like all the negative energy and all that case like that. Now, it's definitely a lot more meaningful and more in-depth than what I'm saying right now. I just don't want to spoil it to anyone who hasn't seen it. But like I said, it did open my eyes. At, like It opened them up to explore more of that type of movies that A24 is very well known for. But the acting of Florence Pugh in this movie was just phenomenal. And you, you could see why she is the powerhouse that she is now she's in marvel films now and she's in this movie coming up later this year that i am very much looking forward to that's um the olivia wilde movie um don't worry darling i think it's yeah, called yeah, yeah yeah yep with uh, harry styles and i'm so much looking forward to that movie but uh yeah midsommar that is my number three right there great Great choice from what I understand. I've not seen that one. That's another I have not seen because I just don't fuck with horror. Right. I did read the wiki plot and said, nope, that's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> also, undoing my homework. Uh, it is not her film debut. Oh, it's but it not. Is her okay. breakthrough role for sure. So I'm, Got it. Yeah, okay. I'm sure you read that somewhere. Yeah. Where it's like, this is her big first movie kind of thing. Yeah. Um, she was in a few things. And I'm looking at her. And like there was like Fighting With My Family, the sports movie. Oh, with, that's right. Yeah, the WWE like, movie. Which yeah, that is a that is a feature film, but like yeah. that's not gonna that's not I don't know where they saw her at when they made the decision to cast her for Midsommar. I'm guessing that wasn't the movie that they were like I don't think so, yeah. Know. Um she was in another horror movie. Anyway, it's definitely her breakthrough role. And yeah. she's a star, right? She's a main she's a main character in the movie, yeah. Okay. Um that's that's got that's that's definitely it. Um and thank God because she's a like a, a I don't know what the word like a legend. She's got the it factor. She's that. Oh yeah. Number. I'm I'm so hyped for her career. Um, A24 putting people on. God bless them. Um, I don't have much to add or say to it. No, that's fine. The wiki article. Um, 
now here's my question to you. Yeah, yeah. Would you ever watch this movie? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. But if someone tied me to a chair and then <laughs> clockwork orange style clockwork, yeah. mm-hmm. and made me, cause I just, I like sleeping some, I don't get enough sleep. And if I watch a horror movie, I just don't sleep for like two weeks. Sometimes it's not good, dude. It's not good. I, I get it. I get My it. My film buddies who try to talk me into watching horror movies show up and they're like, but it's art and it's great and you'll love it. I'm like, I know I'm going to appreciate the art of it, but I also have to be able to sleep. Yeah. So I'm just like yeah. chicken when it comes to those. Midsommar and Hereditary. I don't know if, if we're... Yeah, uh, we'll same director. Back. Yeah. Those are the two of all the horror movies. Uh, like, I'll, I will see a Get Out, like a lower key horror, but when it's yeah. a little more... Uh, these are a more another level of horror uh, that I just decided not to fuck with anymore in my life. Um, these are the two where I know as a film person, these are the ones I'm missing out on. Like, yeah. Vouching for that. Uh, the amount of times I actually read the wiki article multiple times to be like, am I sure I can't see this? Cause I know it's going to be good. <laughs> All right. Uh, number four is a really tough one for me. I'm being okay. pulled in three different directions. I'm going to go with my gut here. And I am not going to try to steal one from you that I think you're going to pick. I'll be mad if you take it, though. Just heads up. I might. We might not be friends after this experiment, this exercise. For my number four, I'm going to go with Moonlight. Nice. Solid. I'm going with the, the hits, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her first Best Picture winner, which they ripped out from La La Land. <laughs> shout out Warren Beatty. Um, Moonlight. A all-black cast movie that wins Best Picture. Um, Like, we're not giving much credit to the Oscars on that one. Sorry, a little too little, too late. But as far as um, A24 as a studio betting on people who are doing things that big studios might not, this is one of those where a studio, like, historically, the example is like, oh, we got to have a white person on the poster or else people won't go see it type of bullshit. And then... We know that's not the case, but part of the reason why we know that like a movie like that can be so successful is people taking bets on movies like that and taking some risks. That shouldn't be such a risk. Sadly, in our society, it is. I love that A24 makes this movie happen. Um, Barry Jenkins is an absolutely incredible director. This movie, it was it was another one of those, like, I'm so glad that this movie got its roses instead of just being like 10 years later and be like, oh, that was overlooked and people didn't appreciate that one in its time. Um, the cast was, like, there's a couple names in there, but it's mainly the directing and the camera work and the cinematography that are doing so yeah. much work. The story is absolutely beautiful, the way they split it into three parts. The, the like, just the lighting... Um, I'm not sure what to geek out on for this movie, but I'm really, really glad that this movie exists. Uh, this is a very special movie. Um, yeah. I recently uh, deep dived on it a little bit because I, I went to Miami and I was like, okay, these are the locations. I want to go check out the diner that they went to, stuff like that. Like, this is a movie that has a sweet spot in my heart that I was rooting for, that I saw in theaters. I remember it was opening weekend. And then you go... We'll talk about this with other A24 ones. I'm sure it'll come up again. But it's like, damn, I really hope that, that people love this movie because yeah. it definitely deserves that love. Um, and it's a fucking great, great movie. Uh, it is one of those where it'll it'll hit your heartstrings for sure. It's heavy at times. It's why it's not number one. 
I think if we went with like favorite, like there's a few different ways you can view like best movie, like how well it's made, how well it's received, what's your personal favorite based on attachment. There's a few different ways you could look at it where Moonlight is my number one for sure. Um, because of the rewatchability factor where it is a great movie to put on visually, the yeah. story is pretty damn gut-wrenching. So I've seen it, I think, three times, which is actually saying a lot considering how gut-wrenching it is. Um, that, But it is a beautiful, impeccably directed, unimpeachable movie. Like, just artistic perfection. So um, I'm, I don't think I have the... The words like geek out on it more but damn like you can tell my like i'm, I'm getting emotional on that movie it was it was yeah. so special so yeah that you've seen did, have you i seen have okay. i have yeah yeah i saw it in the theater and yeah it brilliantly directed lovely story but yeah very very gut-wrenching very just seeing the 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 journey of this one character you know and you know the dynamics with family and love and just identity you know it is just like so well done and something for i think very telling for the time too where i feel like a lot of people are going through similar situations you know and this is like pre whatever we're going through right now you know this is just more along the lines of self-identifying yourself like like who am i you know why do i feel certain things why why do certain things affect me the way they do um, I have a lot of family members in my life who've gone through similar journeys, you know, and it's it is definitely a well-written, well-directed story, well-acted um, and a really great subject matter. Um, and just seeing that character go through their journey uh, along the way. Um, I will I'm not surprised that it ended up winning the Oscars that year, you know, even though the little faux pas or whatever the case is, you know, we could laugh at it now. But um, it, it was well deserved just for the recognition alone, you know, and, and I, I think it was also one of those movies where and this unfortunately does happen all the time. A movie wins best picture that a lot of people didn't see. Mm. And I think that forced a lot more people to go out there and watch it. And I think a lot of more people have realized like how well that movie is done and all that. And, you know, Barry Jenkins, I mean, he's a brilliant director. And uh, I think now that every time we hear he's attached to something we perk up and we're like, Oh, I got to check this out. I got to see what that's about, you know? So yeah, no, great pick. Great, great, great pick right there. I, I also, I'm just going to mention real quick. Like that's also Mahershala Ali's first yeah. Oscar. He gets one a couple of years later for green book. We wish we don't have to talk about totally today. different situation. <laughs> uh, he gets best adapted screenplay. Um, it's nominated for best director. I, I think it's a shame it didn't win that. And then um, yeah. best picture it wins. So it's another example of them putting, people on giving them that love giving them a well-deserved level of platform yeah. and then both parties executing properly so uh shout out moonlight man Special yeah movie. for sure 100 yeah. percent. yeah you gotta check it out if you haven't done so yet yeah please please do yourself a favor and check it out um cool going on to my number four i think this pick of mine will actually surprise you um, and it's also one of the movies I've seen more recently, that, but it came out quite a while ago, and that is Locke. Oh, uh, damn. <laughs> Locke. damn okay. Yeah, Locke no. is a brilliant, brilliantly done movie. I am a huge fan of 
solo situational movies, you know, where a movie takes place in one location, sometimes like a constrained location, and just you just see one actor act his fucking ass off. And that's what Tom Hardy did in this movie. Tom Hardy was not yet a name to when this movie came out. But if you ever want to see if, if or if you ever had the question, is Tom Hardy a good actor? Watch this fucking movie because he is just in a car driving from one location to another. And he is just all the emotions, all the feels, all the anxiety, all the sad sadness and everything. The conflicts that he goes through in this car, having conversations with people on the phone, his his wife, his sons, his mistress. And I'm not going to explain why that is his coworker, his boss. You know, it's just like going through all of these emotions. And my God, this was such a well acted movie. Um, it was uh, directed by uh, Stephen Knight. Uh, who also has made a name for himself. But the greatest thing that a lot of people probably won't realize is the the, the people attached to this movie that we don't even get to see. We, they play the people on the phone. Tom Holland plays Eddie, one of his sons that he talks to quite often. And this is, again, before Spider-Man and all that kind of stuff like that. Olivia Coleman, the darling of the Oscars and all that. She plays um, the mistress that he is going, he's driving to. Ruth Wilson plays his wife um, on the phone. So even just hearing their voices, you could tell like how strong of an actor or actress that they are and everything. But I I was a huge fan of that movie. I, I believe it's called Buried with Ryan Reynolds, where he's in the coffin stuck the whole time. Like, that's when I realized, like, I love movies like this. Because, again, it really shows you how well a person can act when it's just them. Them against nothing else, right? And, my God, Tom Hardy, he's a beast. And this movie was just brilliant. So I had to put it on there because, again, this probably more than likely put Tom Hardy up there so that Christopher Nolan can be like, hey, I want to tap this guy for Inception, and then eventually he's going to be Bane in my Batman and all that. So you've seen Locke, so I'm definitely curious to hear what you you think about it. Yeah, um, Locke is an hour and 25 minutes. Yeah. Love a good runtime. Oh, yeah. Um, Locke is Tom Hardy in a car. If I could be in a car with Tom Hardy for 90 minutes, I would say yes. This is a yes. (laughs) Hell yeah. I also love when they'll like take a big risk on a movie and like even like my dinner with Andre is one of the mm. older movies where I think about something like that where like just two dudes at dinner talking yeah. this one there's actual action and he's like going, getting off and on the phone and he's trying to make a deal happen he's with something about his family um, I watched it at home it's a fine one to watch at home you do not oh, need yeah. for this movie even though it's got Tom Hardy in it and that's usually not the case with him um, awesome movie I don't, I don't need to, to go on you said it really well um, how they set it up, what it's good at, yeah. and artistic risk paid off. A24, oh, yeah. that bet, and it paid off. That was a really well-done movie, for sure. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think I need to go on about it because it's such a concise, tight product, and, yeah. and they did it, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely check it out because, it, it, again, short, straightforward, you you won't find yourself getting lost in anything throughout this whole movie and you know you'll like me i was just enthralled the whole time so very very good movie 
All right, number five. You're on the clock there. Um, bottom half of the list, I'm going to go a little bit faster for sure. Okay. Um, but for these top five, and I, I say that. It's hard for me to hold back my excitement about some of Of course. All of them. Minari. Uh, oh, you. you. I'm good at pronouncing that. Would I just steal your next one? Yeah, you did. Oh, that's <laughs> that's awesome, I though. But I was trying to, and I was like, mm, I, I can't believe he hasn't picked this one yet. You should. That's have. awesome. That's awesome. Yo, M- Minari, uh, perfect movie, family drama. The fact that I'm picking this mo- after Moonlight, like, I really hope that pretty soon here I get some like comedy or some reprieve because like, yeah, intense personal family drama type stuff, but a beautiful story. Um, set in Kansas, I believe. Um, I'm not going to spoil the ending for anyone who hasn't seen it. Minari is a perfect movie. And it also is, we're talking about them putting people on in a different way. A lot of these people are already established or they did great work and then they said, all right, we're going to give you another platform. And then that pays off. And so um, uh, Yu Jung Yoon winning uh, supporting actress for that one. First Korean yeah. Uh, I think it was Korean or Korean woman to win um, um, an, a, um, an Oscar. That was a nice, nice like cap on that Oscar season. And I remember her speech was special every time she showed up in any awards. <laughs> if for no other reason, this movie deserves this to be picked this high. Plus, just like uh, perfectly executed, well done, beautifully written beautiful cinematography steve yoon um he's in a lot of movies as a two three slot yeah he's the number one actor in this movie um maybe you could say the boy is but like i think of steve yoon as the main star of this movie um perfectly cast uh it is i i don't know if it's my favorite steve yoon movie necessarily he's we talked about him recently uh when we did nope uh, and he can't miss. The dude has a 100% sh- shooting percentage. This is what, one where he had the most on his back and yeah. still 100%. So perfect movie through and through. Beautiful. Uh, another one of those, like, almost all of these I've had a hard time picking between. This is another one of those. Like, this could have been a few slots higher. It could have been a few yeah. slots lower. Um, I, this is one of those five stars on Letterboxd. As soon as I saw it, I was like, that's a perfect movie. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it, it's a lovely movie, touching family drama, relatable, you know, very relatable. You know, it it's just so well done. Uh, I remember when I finally saw this when it came out, I was I was floored. I was pretty floored. I was like, wow, this is like a brilliantly done movie. Um, I love the kind of fish out of water aspect too, where you have like this Korean family that is plopped into the heart of America, and kind of just like. Like on a farm, trying to run a farm that they've never done before, right? So it is just, just so well done. It's it's definitely a very very beautifully done movie. Um, director of the movie is Lee Isaac Chung, who we haven't heard much from lately, but I believe that they were at, he was attached to do something very soon. Um, I, I don't know if I, I was uh, remembering that correctly, but. I think he's due for another film um, soon after. And it, I believe this is also a movie based off of his own life, right? And his own experiences. So very, very easy for him to do. Um, Sorry, yeah. uh, before you would take the, the five big, I said yeah, yeah, yeah. Arkansas. I'm from Oklahoma. Oh, Arkansas. Okay. In Oklahoma. 
the farm itself. Like, so I just, uh, you know, shout out to my people. It's the middle <laughs> of the country. It gets overlooked. We're flyover shit. So I just want to make sure it's clear. Arkansas is the setting. Oklahoma is where it was filmed. Shout out. Nice. Nice. All right. So my number five. All right. There are certain movies, I think, that fall under the... When you think of a movie that defines A24, I think there are like a handful of movies that really do so. I think this is definitely one of those movies, and that's The Lobster. The Lobster is... Oh, that was so for me, dude. Fuck. I knew I should have picked the next, but I knew you would pick Minari, so I was like, I'm bro. The Lobster is one of those movies that if you sat down and you tried to explain it to someone who's never heard about it, they'll probably look at you like, what the fuck are you talking about? But it's just one of those movies that you could not explain. Just watch it. You watch it and then you get it. I was not sure what I was going to expect watching this movie. I, I tried my best not to hear so much about it. You know, and all that. Because I watched this movie pretty late after it came out. But I do remember there was always a conversation being had as like, well, if you were to choose an animal you wanted to be turned into, what would it be? <laughs> but I never really understanding what the concept was behind all that until I finally saw the lobster. And whoo, whoo, talk about in, in its essence, this is a dark comedy. Right. But it does play a lot on social commentary, especially when it involves uh, perspective on relationships, right? The expectations and all that stuff like that. And this pretty much just like spins it and throws it right back in your face. The fact that they, they these people live in a society that you have to be part of a relationship. If not, you are an outcast and they force you to be in one. And if you don't get to do so or find that perfect match, you get turned into an animal of your choosing to live the rest of your life. <laughs> Just like, who thinks of such a thing? But you mentioned before that um, uh, eventually we were going to be talking about uh, Yargos. And this is Yargos Lathmos for sure. And only a brine like his would come up with this kind of concept. Yeah. If you're familiar with any of his, his movies or anything that he's been involved in. Uh the, the acting is so well done. Everyone has to act in a very monotonish way with, without really pure emotions coming out. Plus, I'm a sucker for John C. Riley in a more serious type of dark comedy. And this dude had me dying the whole time. It, it, playing a guy who has a lisp, you know, who's not that great looking, trying to find a mate. It's just <laughs> the one scene that gets me is that there is this like fight scene. That is so, it's not even like a real fight, but it's a fight in essence of what the, like the kind of universe they live in. And it's just, it's like two kids fighting, basically. And it was just so hilarious. Um, Again, it I, I cannot explain a lot about this movie. It's just one of those movies that you have to watch. I think one of the things I really do love about the movie is... As you're saying, again, I won't, I'll try not to spoil so much. So there's like two societies. There is the couple society that lives in normal metropolitan London or just in any city, I guess. It's safe to assume that. And then you have the outsiders, those who decide or can't be with anyone. So they have to live on the run, kind of in the wilderness, free and all that. As 
And the movie splits it into two where you get to experience the one side and then you get to experience the other side. As you're experiencing the, the free runners or the, the, the solo people, I love how, one, they can't show any kind of affection or love to each other, right? So everyone has to be kind of like distant or very monotone. Two, that also includes if they want to dance. So they, 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 say, they view dancing with someone as sexual contact or sensual innuendo. So they have these... With what you see now in a lot of major cities is those silent concerts or silent dances where everyone's wearing <laughs> headphones and they're just dancing alone by themselves and all that. But if you look closely during any scenes with these people, you get to see actually the animals of people who got turned into animals just roaming freely in the forest because you see peacocks, camels, uh, pigs, all that stuff like that. And these were the people who were turned eventually into animals because they weren't able to find a partner and all that. It's batshit nutty. I love the ending because it's very open-ended. It's up to your imagination as to what happens there. I I really enjoyed this movie. Um Blake, it sounds like it was on your list, so I- I'm dying to hear what you think about it. No, I don't like that movie. Fuck you. I'm glad that you went into the plot because, like, I saw that movie uh, and I have no, like, I know what it's about, <laughs> but I don't even know how I begin to describe that. So thank you yeah. for doing that. Um, Yorgos Lanthimos is uh, in unreal he gets proper recognition with the favorite his movie yeah. after this it's another one of those a24s helping bring someone to another level and then they move on yeah you had colin farrell on your list earlier with after mm-hmm. yang colin farrell was a blockbuster actor for a while who was capable of doing good work this is one of i think his best role he's yeah. doing amazing work in this movie um that deadpan dark comedy that Yorgos Lanthimos is so good at, which is such bizarre creative concepts. But what it's really doing is talking about something very real that everyone on this planet is very familiar with, but it's doing it in such a bizarre way that it comes at you from the side and you go, oh, right, my relationship to love. Now I'm going to rethink that based on this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm not going to get further into the lobster because I don't know if we'll ever come back. I think if you talk about it for too long, you become an animal. I think so. That movie is so bizarre, weird, special, but also, don't get it twisted, is really, really good and really yes. beautiful, and it's a great human story. Yeah. Um, that, that That's a solid pick, and you stole the exact next one I was going to put on there, so I'm, I might be a little bit mad. Hey, guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far, but before we continue, I wanted to quickly talk about Bulletproof Coffee. Bulletproof Coffee is my favorite coffee of choice to start off my mornings with. Why? Because it's clean coffee. What does that mean? Well, one, there are no chemicals in it. Why? Because they go through this multi-step process of making sure that all of their beans are fully clean and free of any chemicals so that when you get the beans delivered to you, it is the pure beans, the pure coffee, the goodness that you've been wanting, the taste, the flavor, and the nutritional value as well without worrying about any added chemicals or anything else put into the mix there. Um, It also doesn't have that weird acidic taste that some coffees give you. I don't know how about you, but for me, some coffees kind of give me that weird sensation in my stomach, makes me a little burpy, and it kind of drags me down a little bit instead of really waking me up, uh, which is something that I need for my coffee every day. Bulletproof also offers a lot of keto-friendly snacks and supplements, anything that you need to kind of 
add to your everyday nutritional needs, add to your diet, and make you and pretty much transforms the way you feel uh, every day. So, uh, for a limited time, if you use this code on that you see on the screen right now, low key geek all caps, one word, you can get 15% off your order. So what, what is it better than that, right? Check out the link in the description of this episode. Use this code, get yourself your discount, and make your mornings a little bit more bulletproof with Bulletproof Coffee. Now, back to the episode. For my six, uh, I have, I, I, what I decided I'm going to do is I'm not going to do the same director twice, which you're welcome to steal any of these. I'm going to just shout them out real quick. People we've done who have another movie on this list. So sure. You just said Yorgos Lanthimos for the Lost He has Killing of the Sacred Deer, which was his next movie. And sorry, and then it was the favorite after that. Killing yeah. of the Sacred Deer, also Colin Farrell, also A24. Love, love, love that movie. I'm not going to pick it. We already um, are, are picking the Lost and it's better. Swiss Army Man is an A24 movie, and then those same dudes went on to do everything everywhere all at once. Love that movie. Not yeah. going to pick it, even though it w- would be soon. And then Min is this tier, maybe a little bit lower. We did a whole episode on that recently. Check it out. Um, but same director who did Ex Machina. And then uh, Good Time is the other Safdie Brothers movie. And I'm actually, like, yeah. I might still reserve to put that on the 10 spot because I love Good Time. And actually, in some ways, I like it more than Uncut Gems, even though it's, like, it's a little, it's, like, pre-Uncut Gems. It's not as much budget. Like, it's not as, it, but it's really good. If you like the feeling that Uncut Gems gave, gave you, see Good Time with uh, Robert Pattinson by Safdie Brothers. So I'm going to just, like, say those out loud. You're welcome to steal them, but I'm putting those off my list, even though they would be around here in this tier. Um, for my next pick, I'm going with an early A24 movie from 2014 before they'd ever been nominated for, uh, anything and obvious child starring Jenny Slate. I know I mentioned this one. I think it was when we did our everything everywhere all at once episode mentioning that movie again, uh, because Jenny Slate's in that one. This is a movie that she was the star of. Mm -hmm. Um, it also has Jake Lacey, which he was having a good minute in his career here. Um, Gabby Hoffman, uh, a lot of people would know from the show Girls, or she was the young girl in uh, Field of Dreams. And right, David right, Croft. right. Uh, it, is, it is more in that like cute, idiosyncratic, hipster indie movie vein. Mm-hmm. It is not as heavy, but it is dealing with, um, uh, it's dealing with pregnancy, unwanted pregnancy, the decision to have an abortion, and it is a really well done movie where it's, taken heavy subject and doing it with a lot of comedy all throughout her character Jenny Slate plays a stand-up comedian I mentioned that I saw her do stand-up comedy in Brooklyn um, I also saw her do a Q&A after this movie I saw I got to see this one in theaters so in light of recent Supreme Court decisions which we're not going to get into on this episode I would like to not leave that I would like to leave that outside of this this conversation but in light of that if someone's interested in like movies around that topic this is a really well done movie um, it handles the topic well, in my opinion, um, and it, there is also humor all throughout it. So some of these are really heavy. I feel like we deserve a little comedy one thrown in here sure. if we were putting together an A24 film festival review thing. Um, and so while it does have that, uh, I would not worry about that as like, oh, this is going to like ruin my night watching someone go through something. Um, it is a really clean, well-directed, beautiful movie, um, a sweet story, and genuinely funny uh, at the end of the day. I think of it more as a comedy than a drama, and it's also got those like cute, hipster, quirky um, uh, angle that Ginny Slate is so damn good at. Uh, it might be... She's had a few 
movies, but this might be her biggest lead movie that I that I'm thinking about. Um, um, and nothing else is really coming to mind. So, anyway, um, I also want to give this movie a shout out because it's 2014 and uh, it started as a 2009 short film, but then A24 um, helps develop it. Uh, I don't know how widely seen it was. I know I was there opening weekend. Uh, Angelica. Um, in downtown Manhattan, and and this is a very special movie to me. I've seen it a couple times for sure. It's the kind of movie that, like, hanging out with someone, I'll be like, hey, we should put this movie on. You're going to like it. And generally people go, how did I not hear about this? It's a really, really good uh, movie. Um, so, yeah, uh, fully recommend it. Um, I know when we talked about it before, you hadn't seen it when we were, when we were talking about everything everywhere, and this, yeah. this movie came up. Um, but definitely fully recommend when you're in that mood for that kind of that um, angle between seriousness but also starting a stand-up comedian and very funny cool yeah no it definitely sounds good um it, it's definitely on my list of things to watch um i i have my own like a24 movies to watch and it's that's definitely on there um because like i i again i, I am not so familiar with jenny slate but after us talking about her often and recently especially with marcel the shell I, I'm very interested to see what she can do outside of that. You know, I remember her time on SNL and everything. And then I've watched like interviews of her and I've seen her in person do a Q&A. You know, so I, I feel like the more and more I, I, I want to see more of her work for sure. So I definitely do want to check this out. So thank you for, for reminding me about that. So Runtime is two minutes shorter than Locke. It's 83 Look at minutes. that. Look check at that. it out. Check Look it out. That. Hell yeah. See, this uh, this is I think that's another brilliant thing about A twenty four movies is that most of them are really easy to watch and very short. You know, like these are the movies that belong on streaming services so that you could like watch this like before you go to bed or whatever the case is. Um very, very awesome. Were you gonna say something or no? No. I okay. I, I could talk about this movie some more, I was thinking about, but no. Um you're you're kind of caught that. But, I, I I get really excited about movies. <laughs> it's all good. All right. So for what are we We're on six now, right? All right. For six, um, I don't know if this is a movie you may have seen. I wouldn't consider it to be a horror movie. This is more of like a romance fantasy movie. And this is a movie that I saw last year. It came out in 2017. Um, a ghost story. A ghost uh, story. Uh, um, with uh, Casey Affleck and one of my favorite actresses, Rooney Mara. Um, I really am a huge fan of Rooney Mara, but it is a very kind of haunting, but really more of like a chilling tale of a man who passes away and is forced to relive his existence as a ghost, but stuck in time rewatching all the events of his life with his wife within the house that they live in. Um, and kind of just seeing it all play out and, and you, you noticing, you notice like little, little things that maybe may have caught their attention while they were alive or whatever the case is, but it's really a story about grievance, loss, all that stuff like that legacy. It, it's a movie with very little dialogue, very, very little dialogue. A lot of just scenes as you are watching the ghost walk around, look out the window, uh, watch someone cook watch someone read, you know, listening to music, all that stuff. Very little dialogue, but the impact is still so strong as you are just 
feeling for this spectral, you know, existence, re-experiencing their life and what they just miss in general, um, the love and uh, relationship with his wife and all that stuff like that. Um, very touching movie. It, it hit me really, really at the right time in the right spot. And I think it's just one of those, like, you get reminded that A24 not only can do horror movies or quirky movies, but they could really hit you in the feels. And this is definitely one of those movies that really hits you in the feels. And to be able to do so with such little dialogue, I thought it was so brilliantly done. Um, another easy-to-watch film of only an hour and 32 minutes so you know really 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 great movie um i don't know did you see this movie at all i saw this movie um i watched this one at home a couple years after it came out i think it was actually last year too it it may have been a covid movie where when when that hits i basically make Mm -hmm. a long list of movies that i had wanted to see the amount of movies I saw those first few months, dude, it was wild. Like, <laughs> I can only imagine. Like three or four a day, for real. And this is on that list. Um, Casey Affleck, I'm a huge fan. Um, the same director did Anthem Body Saints, which uh, is, is a nice Casey Affleck picture. Mm-hmm. Um, I want, after Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, I want Casey Affleck to have more lead roles just as an actor. And then Manchester by the Sea happens, and then there's controversy yeah. around him. Right. My understanding on the timeline of all that is that this movie is released before. Um, I, I honestly don't know to what degree um, this movie is culpable in that in that regard. But nonetheless, um, I remember around the time when this movie's coming out, like being a big fan of Casey Affleck, and uh, he's also in the wa- uh, Walking Phoenix picture. I'm not here. Um, his acting style. And it's kind of perfect for those these types of slower movies, and he's got a yeah. slow, light voice. This movie, I remember doing a lot of that Terrence Malick kind of thing, where he'll leave the camera on for a long time, and yeah. slowly, and you're watching things happen. No dialogue, you're just watching things move, barely, slowly, a lot of realism in that, and a lot of real-time kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And a quirky concept. The only thing that threw me is I went into it thinking it would be more of that quirky indie comedy kind of thing because of the ghost and the sheet. And the like sheet, it's like yeah. The, it's a little cartoony, like corny. Um, there's, it, I thought it was gonna be more of a mumblecore movie where there's the one I think it's called um, Bag Something, and like they the guy just wears a bag on his head and it's just, but it's mm-hmm. it's comedy kind of thing. And like I thought it'd be more of that lighthearted. It was not as lighthearted as I thought it would be. It was very beautiful. Um, yeah. And I don't know if you're ready to move on, but I, nonetheless, yeah. on this movie, I will say I'm a little mad now because you, by doing that and me saying I'm not going to do the same director twice, I'm, I'm taking Green Knight off because this director, David Lowry, ends up making Green Knight with A24 a few years later. And um, when you actually were talking about um, uh, fantasy romance, I was like, is he going Green Knight? Uh, <laughs> I would put Ghost Story above uh, Green Knight above Ghost Story, but it also might be one okay. of those game kind of thing where I was a little thrown by it and Green Knight was hit exactly where I wanted it to. So. See, that's interesting because the Green Knight, I didn't like that movie. Yeah, I, I and I, maybe I'm one of the few, I don't know. Um, but when I, I remember walking out of that movie just being I visually stunning. Visually, it was a stunning movie. But the story itself and everything, I just was not, it just didn't hit me. Yeah, I don't know. So... I love the scene where he came on himself. I mean, that was nice. 
Thank you, Renee. Thank you. Um, yeah, you don't like movies. You like movies that are stunning, but also well written and well acted, and great stories, and uh, just everything that could, a movie could do. Green Knight did really well and better than Ghost Story. I get it. I get why you. Okay. All right. Fair. Fair. <laughs> fair. Okay. For my number seven pick. Yep. You chose Ghost Story, a haunting movie. I am gonna go with a haunting movie that is the opposite vibe of Obvious Child, and and the light. There's zero jokes in this one. Okay. Under the Skin. Oh. We're going old school A24, 2013. Nice. Directed by Jonathan Glazer, starring Scarlett Johansson. Um, this is... Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, their first movies are 2013. Um, yeah. They're, they start 10 years ago, but this is August that year, so it's going to be one of the very first ones. Yeah. Um, the, the summary of the plot, if you haven't seen it yet, see it it's impossible for me to communicate what this movie is so good at doing because it builds a feeling really, really well, a haunting, creepy tension kind of feeling. It's kind of like the uncut Jim's good time safety brothers thing, but without the human element, because the basic plot is like an otherworldly woman who preys on men in Scotland. Scarlett Johansson plays. She's the otherworldly woman. And at some point there's some kind of like shape shifting. She goes into a, Cool, comes out looking differently, but it's not very clear. There's not a ton of dialogue in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really well done. The thing that Promising Young Woman is doing plot-wise, where a woman preying on men, we're doing a similar kind of concept, but a, again, totally different feeling. There are very few movies like this. A24 took a bet on it. On this one, it was a budget of $13.3 million dollars. Wow. They made seven million off of it, so they lost half the money. But it wasn't that much money to begin with. Right. I don't know how much they paid Scarlett Johansson. Either she did somebody a favor, or that was ninety-eight percent of their budget. Um, not quite sure how that works. How how that worked. The most special thing about the movie that still sticks with me that I can feel, I can actually hear it in my head right now, is the score. It's minimal. It's haunting. A lot of it is just this like rhythmic drum. And if you're listening on the podcast, I'm currently bobbing my head. It's just boom, <laughs> ta, boom, ta. And then every now and then, sparsely you'll get strings kind of thing. And that's it. And it'll go on. There's chunks of the movie. Uh, I saw this when it came out in theaters. I have not uh, watched it again. Mm-hmm. I've listened to the score many, many times. But off memory, we're looking at like 20 minute chunks of this movie with very little dialogue and just that sound happening throughout the entire time. If you want a very concise, well done, I think we're looking at a, a runtime of like hour and 40 minutes ish. Um, this is one of those where they take a bet. It's a loss financially, but fuck it. We're a 24. We make good movies. Yeah. Um, BBC put it um, number 61 on their list of the 100 greatest films of the 21st century. Wow. Um, included on many best of the decade lists. Um, the, it is critically beloved. It is for a reason. It is really, really well done. Um, if you want something that's more of like an experience and it's not so heady dialogue, plot, story, all of that, and more of like a what in the world, but I don't even know if I would call it beautiful. It's more of like a haunting tension feeling but it's a cool movie too um it's it definitely has whatever it is that a24 does so well in all these different genres it still has that for sure 
and that's why I'm putting it number seven. It it deserves that slot. Interesting. Now this is not. It's not. You can't. You wouldn't compare it to, let's say, the J Lo movie, The Cell, right? I haven't seen The Cell. Neither have I. But I have also heard like kind of similar like takes on it. Like visually, it's strange and all this kind of stuff like that. Watch The Cell. Damn. Shit, I love this movie so much, and it's got a celebrity star. Yeah, hell yeah, sign me up. Um, definitely don't do it if you're in the middle of a panic attack, because it is oh. it is one of those for sure. But if you want to have that an experience, definitely it's it is good. Okay. That. For sure, fully fully oh. recommend. Right. Late at night, yeah. lights are off. You're you're like, uh, I'm not ready to go to bed yet. I got a couple hours, and then watch this, and you might not be able to go sleep for a couple more. So, um, gotcha. It's good for that. All right, yeah. This has been actually on my list to wanting to watch for a very long time. It's just I'd never had a chance to. But you know, now that I'm in like this A24 kick, it's definitely like something I'm probably going to end up watching in the next couple of weeks. So. Uh, definitely interesting and interesting to see that this is a choice of yours for your list there so cool um for my number seven i'm gonna go with i'm curious if this ever will would have made your list at all but we're gonna stick along the 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 train here of touching heartwarming uh this one is definitely coming of age uh we've all experienced this stuff growing up and that's eighth grade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Soon. Damn. Yeah. Eighth, eighth grade is a movie directed by Bo Burnham um, that has his signature all over this movie. You watch this movie and you can tell immediately that this is his movie. Like he has very similar kind of visual effects, very similar kind of transitions and, and shots and all that. Um, it stars, I believe the actress's name is uh, Elsie Fisher, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I just felt so much for her character. You know, this uh, kind of awkward um, teen doing that transition from middle school to high school, which we all know is very difficult for any one of us, especially if you are not one of the popular kids or one of like the, the cool kids or anything like that. You know, she is definitely a, a person who's very creative and a little bit, you know, shy, but she has this in her, this aspirations to wanting to be cool, to wanting to be confident. She has her own YouTube channel that she posts videos that give tips on how to be confident or how to look a certain way or how to put yourself out there. But when you see her in real life, she struggles with that every day. Um, so it was just, I just felt so much for her character and I've seen and experienced many things that she went through. The relationship she has with her father is also very touching. The father is someone who's trying to be hip with her, trying to be like very cool. But in this kind of suburban town that they live in, a lot of the teachers are trying to relate to the younger generation. You like, you have the principal like, like dabs, like trying to like chill uh, <laughs> with the kids, and I just thought it was so hilarious and all that. They're watching a sex education video, where in the introduction the lady is like, "This video is going to be lit." <laughs> I'm just like, what? <laughs> just, it was just so hilarious. The one thing I will say though that is very um, 
disturbing, but it's also a slice of what everyday life is now for these kids. Is that they actually go through a, a live shooting shooter scenario drill, which I'm just like, oh, I'm like the, to think like these kids have to go through this these days. Um, I was just not expecting that, and uh, that did definitely like punch me in the gut there. But very touching movie, very very heartwarming at the end. Um, I love how she kind of found a friend, you know, but it kind of unexpectedly. And, you know, she's moving into high school and she, you know, creates a video talking to herself saying, don't worry, everything's going to be OK. Whether high school was great or not, you know, you're still you and all that. And I think at our ages at that time, that's what we would have wanted to hear across the board. So, um, yeah, I can't I, I just thought this was a really well done movie. Um Blake, you, you said that this was going to come up on your list? This is like, it would have been up. It, it, it's basically like, a, depending on which ones you picked where kind of thing. Like, yeah. it's definitely mm-hmm. in that 10 to 15 range for sure. Okay. Um, glad you picked it. I put this one off for a while. Like, didn't love eighth grade. Did not want to relive it. Um, they did a really, Bo Burnham did a really, really good job of capturing that feeling. And even though he's an older dude... Yeah. I don't know if that's exactly what it's like for eighth grade for people in that year. But what I do know is that awkward feeling that like puberty, like I'm uncomfortable being at the party in my body. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Like the awkward, there was a couple interactions she had with boys at the swim party and like the guy's trying to be impressive, but he's a kid. So he's like, his pickup line is like, do you want to see who can hold or breath underwater the <laughs> longest? And like, there's that like Napoleon dynamite energy of everyone. Yes. At that age yes. kind of thing, like, yep. um, Gosh, you're really freaking me out right now. Get stop being so close. But it wasn't an absurd silliness. It was right. a really poignant, well done, hitting that feeling. I did. It also helped because it like there's something in therapy where you can like rewrite a, a trauma from the past. And like mm-hmm. this movie helped where like oh I'm distant, I'm detached from it, I'm experiencing it and witnessing it. So it did such a good job that like after I was like. Oh yeah, that's that's I'm that is outside of me. That is not something that only lives in my head because I hadn't heard. I heard people say like, "Oh, middle school sucks, puberty sucks." You you know, life is tough. Then you don't know what's going on. Like yeah. people say it, but actually like seeing it, um, I hadn't seen a movie do it that tightly. Um, really well written, really well acted, well cast, well directed, all of the above. So. Um, shout out to to A twenty four for for making that movie and giving Bo Burnham that's his, his directorial debut. Um, yeah, about feature film. So, yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, all right, we're speaking of eighth grade. We're at the number eight spot. Yeah. So. <laughs> um. Okay, I just want to. We got to do a little clarity here. Yeah, A twenty four's done a lot of stuff. They've done TV shows. I know that we're a movie episode. Yeah. I think of stand-up specials as movies, but I know they're not like feature films. Am I correct? <laughs> this is like a feature films list. Yes, I don't. I don't count comedy specials. Okay. Um, my favorite shapes by Julio Torres. Shout out uh, from SNL. Shout out that dude's awesome. Great special. Whitmer Thomas, the golden one. Shout out Whitmer Thomas. Um, dude's releasing an album and doing a tour right now. I'm not talking about it because we don't talk about stand-up specials <laughs> on this channel. But that one was on HBO and was very, very special to me. I want to say it, but uh, my co-host will not allow me. So, Sorry. Fine, Renee. I actually, I agree. The, they are not feature films. They're kind of like movies. They're on Letterboxd. That's, that's all I know. That's what a movie is to me now. 
I just spent too much time on that app. <laughs> uh, for my next pick, um, we got three left. I want to make sure I don't miss anything fucking amazing. I'm gonna go with um, last black man in uh, last black man in San Francisco. Very nice, very nice. You saw this one. I have, yes. Okay. Beautiful, well done, well acted. Uh, indie movie was not what I expected. Was much much better than I expected. I had I had high hopes for this one. I love a good, unique indie drama. Um, this is perfect at that category. Um, the the it's partly based on one of the writers of the screenplay. My understanding is that these dudes are buddies, and in some ways, like it's about him and a friend, and it's mm-hmm. a very it feels like a very true story, and some aspects of it are very outside of I'm assuming most Americans' day to day lives. They captured something, and it felt so damn human. The way it was directed what these dudes are going through at this exact time in their life in San Francisco. Um, I don't know what to say about it exactly other than regardless of what your expectations are, see this movie. It is special. It's unique. It's a very A24 movie. I think if I'd known how much of an A24 movie it was, I probably would have seen it sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, just because uh, I don't know what I was expecting. It wasn't this. This one was so well written and so well acted um the human drama the (laughs) i honestly don't even know what to say about it so it premieres in sundance in 2019 it comes out that same year so we're talking more late stage a24 and only from a couple years ago Mm -hmm. i saw it um maybe last late last year early this year and i put i put it off um i thought it was going to be more of just like like Oscar bait drama kind of stuff, not that good, a little bit boring, just, you know, solid dialogue, good characters. They're going through drama in their lives. And it, it was a very unique movie. Haven't seen anything quite like it. Um, you're also looking at Jonathan Majors in a big film role. Oh, yeah. We're seeing him come up in different ways, and he's been, had it, but he's now coming up in different properties in multiple IPs at the same time. Um, so I'm, I'm loving, love that aspect of it, seeing him. His buddy in the movie uh, was uh, my favorite character. Um, he, they put on a play, like, I'm trying to think of, like, I can explain parts of it, but the feeling that it captures is what's so special about it. It definitely has that A24 high-quality craftsmanship and artistry done throughout it and is a very beautiful human story. Um, so, uh, I don't know, what... What when did you see it and like what were your thoughts on it? How does this rate? So I I saw this. I I want to say either last year or the year before. This was definitely like a more recent thing. Um and no like everything you said. I just saw it as just like a great human drama type of story. The relationship between and the 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 actor of the buddy is a uh, Jimmy Fails. Um so good, just so so good and. At the time, I don't think I was that familiar with Jonathan Majors um, just yet. And I think soon after I saw this movie is when I saw The Five Bloods that he was in. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, there he is. And wow, okay, this dude's got chops for sure. Um, So if anything, I just really love the fact that it introduced me to actors that I normally would not have known about, really, to be honest with you. 
but yeah, no, it was it was one of those movies that I've heard a lot of people talk about, and but I just never had a chance to see it, and then I finally did, and it was just really really well done. I believe the director is Joe Talbot, who I've heard his name kind of thrown around a little bit now from that time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would love to see what his next thing is going to be, uh, because I just love the way he directed this movie, um, and it's interesting too because. Uh, you know, he, he's not really exactly who I would have expected to write and direct a movie like this, right? But he, he, it's as if he really knows how to touch this subject matter. And I think that's really, at the end of the day, what, what really matters or counts the most, right? So, um, great movie. Like, I, I love the fact that you have this on your list. I guess that's actually a good point on who the director is, because the director is childhood best friends with Jimmy Fails. And I think I have to assume yeah. to some degree that Jonathan Major characters is based on them or somebody else yeah. or they're putting people together kind of thing. That's gotta be it's it like when I'm having a hard time explaining how good they do at that human story of but it's mm-hmm. a unique story, is it would take because Jimmy Fails is the lead of it. He helps write the story with the director. Yeah. And they are both childhood best friends. Um that's got to be because like you're talking about like you wouldn't expect that a movie from that dude like the only way a movie is this human <clears throat> is if you have people with those kind of like best friend level connections of like i get yeah. you i know who you are and i know how to tell your story to somebody else absolutely that's, yeah. that's like was a, a magic recipe i'm curious um like we know jonathan majors this is um i'd seen him in uh <laughs> white boy rick before this oh okay uh, that was the first movie but then he's doing this a, a year later and then yeah. you're right, The Five Bloods, um, Lovecraft Country. He's now a full-blown Marvel star and has his own movie currently scheduled for 2025, Avengers yeah. Dynasty, shout out. Um, and he's in Creed Three apparently. So I don't know. Uh, I think Loki is the first time he's introduced to Marvel, right? But anyway, uh, you're, that's an, another example of A24 putting somebody on. They're on the come up, and then they mm-hmm. get like a starring role in a feature and just give them that next level of, um, of, uh, I guess you'd say like prestige or responsibility and they knock yeah. it out of the park with this one for sure. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. Like really, really great movie. I'm glad I finally got to see it and I'm glad that it made your list. So really, really good shout out there. Um, all right. My number eight. So since you took my Minari away from me, um, I had to go somewhere that I guess in a way also talks about Asian culture and all that. And that would be The Farewell. Yeah. Uh, the Farewell uh, starring Aquafina. Now, everyone knows her about her co- comedy and all that. But this is like Aquafina's real first drama, dramatic role. And me being, you know, part Asian and all that, like I know the subject matter and it was just very interesting to see it play out on the screen i guess for someone my age i would kind of like uh related to like the joy luck club in a way you know where it was just like you get to see like a asian family dynamic and all that <clears throat> and this is definitely one of those movies that helps kind of showcase that and kind of showcase the struggle of uh a chinese uh girl and a daughter and living the life and, and trying to meet expectations of the family while still being fulfilled in her own life. And I wasn't sure how she was going to do in this type of movie, but 
I was pleasantly pleased and surprised at how well she does in this more serious dramatic role. Um, I do think she deserves to explore this more on her own and do more of the movies like this. Um, you know, because again, like her comedy, sometimes, at least personally for me, it doesn't really always hit. You know, like she gets a little bit like one notey sometimes and just kind of like, oh, okay, she's playing the same type of character. You had a funny, funny, like, you know, uh, sidekick or, or third person in a movie or whatever the case is. But to see her in the forefront in this um, drama is just, I, it was really, really refreshing and a breath of, it was a breath of fresh air and I really, really enjoyed it a lot. Um, I believe we were still working together when this movie came out and i remember we were talking about it in the office so yeah i really love this movie and i and i believe you liked it as well right love the farewell it's one of those i was rooting for um i don't know if i rate it as highly as you do but mm. i did it was one of those feelings i had where okay this movie if i didn't have my life experience and i had somebody else's this yeah. movie would hit hard because again a24 doing that human thing, telling a real story, but doing it so well, it's so well-crafted, that it, like it gets a, a, a feeling or an experience, a life experience through. Um, it was very, very well done, very well written. I love seeing Aquafina uh, doing that as well. I don't know that how long her comedy can last. Um, yeah. There's conversations with people trying to like cancel her for her comedy style and the way she speaks yeah. when she does comedy, et cetera. I think she's fully capable, this movie showed, of doing her own more authentic, realistic, toned down kind of thing. Um, and I think she could also just like be a comedy or movie star in other ways as well. But in this one, on the, the low-key, quieter, indie drama family, very, very well done. Beautiful movie. I know, um, like, I... I remember leaving the theater and just like it was one of those like call your family after you see this. Movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It teaches you it, like it's the kind of that it imparts. Like being a human being can be difficult. You can feel like your struggles are unique. The people in your life are among the most important things. Don't take them for granted. Kind of movies. And I remember uh, Minari and The Farewell are both movies where afterward I called my my family like mm -hmm. literally. I remember making a phone call on the walk home afterward. Um, this movie was very, very good at imparting that to everybody. So, uh, while I, I don't know why, for some reason, like I think it's it's mainly because of the drama of it, and like I was saying earlier, like the more Oscar bait style drama, family drama kind of thing, um, is is not as much my favorite. So I don't think I put it on my top ten, but. It definitely deserves a spot. Like it was a well done, well crafted, well executed movie for sure. Uh, it was special. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. And I remember, I remember us talking about it in the office, and we were just like, I think we stayed late one day just to talk yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. It's, it's definitely one of those movies that will lead to that. Just like a lot of these movies on our list so far. So, um, so yeah, number nine. We're getting down to it. Okay. I'm doing a weird one here. I know I've been hitting home runs this entire time. I'm tired of, of hitting home runs. I'm just <laughs> so you're just going to do a double now? I'm gonna take, yeah, I'm going to take one for the team. I'm going to give get the RBI to somebody, uh, give somebody else the run. I'm going free fire. Did you see free fire? No. Nobody saw free fire. Ooh. Free fire is my wild card A24. I just Googled the words free fire, and that is not at all what comes up. <laughs> that is, like, nobody gave a about this movie somehow. And it's it reminds me, it's like, it's Tarantino-ish. It's kind of like a Guy Ritchie movie. 
it's more like a Guy Ritchie movie for sure, but the way they do the dialogue, this cast, okay, we got Brie Larson, Army Hammer, Killian Murphy, great cast, and it's one of those movies, it's a set location, um, you've got, it's roughly like eight to ten people, um, they're all, uh, <laughs> I, I saw it in theaters, I'm not going to be able to recreate the plot because it's so damn complex, but it's set in the 70s, so it's got this very 1970s style. Um, and they're doing a, like a weapons, gun, money exchange. I don't even recall if there were drugs being transferred, but basically mm-hmm. multiple people show up to a warehouse to exchange things. And just like you've seen in other movies, a gun goes off kind of thing, and then everyone gets on the defensive. Next thing you know... <laughs> Which, like, you're, it, at some point, like, people are switching sides, and then their buddy sells them out, or they're thinking, you're the bad guy, okay, you collaborated with them, now I'm going to shoot at you, no, I didn't, you did, you shoot at you, and somebody's trying to escape. It's one of those, at the end of the movie, there are people who go through such utter hell. Literally, to my knowledge, the opening of the movie is people going towards this warehouse, the rest of the movie's in a warehouse, with a lot of weapons. <laughs> and a lot of people, like, almost point blank, like just firing at each other and then like things are blowing up and then somebody's getting doused in gasoline and they're covered in mud <laughs> and, like, they're, like they lose a limb and like cl- like it is so bizarre but it is also very tight and well choreographed and you could follow along during it even though there's all this happening it was just like it was a weird experiment of a movie and i'm not surprised it didn't do better but it's one of those like i hit up a few people afterward like People like my brother loves Guy Ritchie movies. He's the one who yeah. showed me Guy Ritchie cinema. And now, like, every time we see a Guy Ritchie movie, we try to see it together. This is on that level for sure, between like quick dialogue, um, a smart writing and plot setup, the way people interact kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, n- no idea what happened to it or any, like, I don't know the facts of this movie at all because there wasn't a lot of attention paid to it. But if you want a over the top action, shoot 'em up kind of movie, perfect mm. choice. I yeah. first I was saying like this is like a more of a like a lower key like this should be lower on my list. And you did knock a you knocked a few off. So like it's a little it's not top ten. Um it wouldn't be on my pure top ten, but like this is a really well done movie and it is a lot of fun to where the kind of thing we've talked about before is that weird human reaction you have when you see something like so shocking and over the top you go, oh, oh my God like that kind of thing in the theater. Like yeah. that definitely happens multiple times. And at the end there's one where you're like I cannot believe what that human just went through. And then, ugh, yeah, really, really re- well done uh, movie. So put it on your list, bro. All put right. For sure. Yeah, that, um, you just can. Movie. We talked about Everything Everywhere being the A24's big action movie. This is an yeah. A24 action movie for sure, but it's a, it's a fun one. Just pretty much nonstop silliness over the top, ridiculous, awesome. Yeah, you no, you you convinced me, and the, just by the sound of it, it sounds like it is. Well, everything, everywhere, all at once has action. Right. I wouldn't consider it to be like an action movie. Like this right. really sounds oh. like a legit action yeah. movie, which we haven't covered yet in an eight in our A twenty four list. So, no, that's how is okay. Because I'm looking at the cast. How is Army Hammer in it? Um, okay, so again. I saw this in theaters. <laughs> I don't know where you can watch this movie. Like, honestly, I mean, I think Showtime has it. They like bear. Okay, good. Thank goodness, yeah. because this movie needs to be seen more. I remember uh, this is like peak Army Hammer. It's around Man from Uncle time, if I recall. Okay, like okay. not too far from there. Um, 
I don't recall what he did to people's bodies other than shooting them. I don't remember if there was anything else going on there. I don't know if he was selling timeshares. We got to do one of our episodes has to be like the what happened to Ezra Miller, what happened to Army Hammer, what's like what is going on. But this oh, is a time in life where I was oblivious to all of that, and it was a much better time. If you want to have well, fun, watch this. If you most have of us were Google Army Hammer to now. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because um, they have that documentary about him coming out soon uh, where it covers and it unravels a lot of the, the background stuff. So how, uh, that, how long until documentaries start telling the crazy stories before they even happen? Like in two <laughs> years, this is what's going to happen to this person because it feels a little quick, but OK, I'm sure hey. it's full, full baked. I think it's also because like the Hammer family has been involved in a lot of questionable stuff, apparently. So, okay, I'm yeah. I have to drop "Call Me by Your Name" has been my favorite movie on Letterboxd <laughs> for so long, and a couple of days ago, I was like, I'm gonna have to drop that soon because I can't get that out of my head now. When I right. watched the movie, where some people were a little worried about the predatorial aspect of the age kind of thing, and like I'm like, now I'm not gonna get that out of my head. Fuck yeah. And Woody Allen's hey. movie's ruined because that shit's a little too close to home and a little too real and you can't shake it and fucking yeah. Call Me By Your Name's been number one for years and I'm probably gonna put everything everywhere all at once in its place. That's I'm actually fine with that. Okay. I'm moving on. Hey. Things happen. <laughs> Things happen. Alright. Um. So for my number nine alright, we've mentioned his name several times. No one has mentioned his movies yet. Um, well <clears throat> at least added his movie to our list yet. Uh, we talked about him off and on. You've mentioned him a couple of times, and that's Robert Eggers and his first movie for A24. It was The Witch. Uh, or The Vivitch. You're going Witch? I'm going The Vivitch. The Vivitch? You like Yes. I like The Vivitch better, yes. Because, like, don't get me wrong. The Lighthouse is a phenomenal film. Um, very well executed, like black and white. I love the, again, we talked about this too, solidary kind of confinements, right? It's like two guys in a single, in a singular place, really. And like, you just see them basically lose their minds and all that. The Witch is a little bit more of my speed where I love kind of like the fantasy element of everything where you're in this old, you know, old like kind of like village and all that from back in the day. And basically, you have a, a a town that is being haunted by supernatural beings and witches. The witches are around and basically, you know, tormenting this little town. I just love the execution of this because it was creepy. It was very, like, dark. Um, again, I didn't see this, you know, a long time ago. I this this After watching Midsommar, this opened my eyes. All right, now I'm going to watch Hereditary. And then the next on my list was The Vivitch and all that, you know. So watching this, I was just like, wow, just the, the directing and the execution of this movie was so well done. Plus, it, in, it introduced the world to one of my favorite bays of all time, and that's Anya Taylor-Joy right now. And she was like really, really... What? Yeah, she was again. Yeah, a twenty four get introducing people to 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 the audiences and out there. But this was the first time a lot of people got to see Anya Taylor Joy, and I thought she was really good in this movie. Albeit very young, uh, but you know people grow up, and this was a while ago. Um, But no, the execution of this movie and 
again, the supernatural kind of uh, eerie element of it really was creepy, uh, especially like towards the end when things really start coming into full fruition. I would put this up there along with like Hereditary. But since I've already mentioned Ari Aster in Midsommar, because I do feel like that's his more his strongest movie, um, The Vivitch is it takes place for Hereditary for me on this list, and I've really really enjoyed it. I know this is a type of movie that you'll probably never watch, yeah. uh, because of the creepy aspect and everything. And this is one of those movies that I could see totally creeping you out big time. So. Yeah would not recommend it but for 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 those of you out there again there's a conversation going around in like the horror universe about hybrid horrors you know horror movies that aren't really maybe like your slasher or your grotesque or whatever the case is this is definitely i think one of the movies that started that whole subgenre of horror movies and i really re- and then again we get to see him come back in the lighthouse and then the northman and you could see he just keeps getting better and better with his movies. So I, I really love how his first entry out there and it was really, really well done. So, um, I have not seen it. I will never, ever, ever see it. I'm glad that you watch movies like that. So that one of us is <laughs> the ground. Um, so thank you for recommending a movie that I will never see, but my understanding, like, as mentioned before, Midsommar and Hereditary. The Witch is also one of those where, like, yeah. as a cinephile, I know I, I need to see it. I'm never going to. I would love to. Um, I'm glad you threw that on the list for sure. Uh, one of us should. I'm, I'm on my last All right. Pick. This is it. This is it. Number this 10. Is it. Number we we 10. get to do honorable mentions afterward, right? Yes. Okay, we can do it right. Yeah, for sure. Because I'm kind of, like, freaking out on some of the things that are getting left off. There's so many damn good A24 movies. You want to turn this into a top twenty draft? Like, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're already like almost two hours in. Why not? Yeah, let's switch it up. <laughs> okay. I'm literally. I have about five on here that I could pick from. I'm gonna just, um, just literally like any mini mighty mo this thing, and I'm gonna go with. Um, uh, okay, fine. I'll go. I'll. Uh, I'll mention all the other ones in honorable mentions. Uh, I'm going first reformed. Oh, okay. Part of the reason I'm going first reformed is it's an A24 movie where it's not necessarily that they're putting someone who's on the come up. They're taking earlier, I was mentioning um, Martin Scorsese movies being very influential to me when I'm mm-hmm. getting into cinema for the first time. Paul Schrader is the motherfucker who writes Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Last Temptation of Christ. Like three of my favorite, two of my favorite, two, my number one and two Scorsese movies. And The Last Temptation is up there. This dude is has been in Hollywood for a good minute, and A24 is letting the man direct things. We talk about it sometimes where, like, Aaron Sorkin is allowed to direct things because he's such a good writer, but yeah. he probably shouldn't. Um, Paul Schrader makes First Reformed, and he makes The Card Counter, uh, speaking of Oscar Isaac earlier. Um, that was the, the one that uh, Isaac starred in uh, recently. First Reformed, Ethan Hawke. Um, I saw this one in theaters. It is more of a drama. It's more, it's closer to Oscar bait kind of thing where it's just like people talking in a room, going through some things. It's got that Paul Schrader intensity, that like need for redemption or salvation, this like man going through intense transformation, crisis experience thing um, that he's really, really good at. Uh, And it co-stars Amanda Seyfried. But basically uh, we have a a minister 
Um, the, the, the line is a Protestant minister played by Ethan Hawke struggling with his face, with his faith while serving as a pastor of a dwindling historic church in upstate New York. And the other aspect of it not mentioned there is he's trying to serve a young newlywed couple. And one of the dudes is obsessed with climate change, cannot stop talking and thinking about the world ending. Um, it's going, what's the point? I, um, I, I think they're either, they have a baby, they're trying to have a baby, and it's like, why should I even have a family if I know the world's ending? And the, it's like, he's trying to help someone who's kind of mentally ill and kind of like accurately reading this, the, the room of the planet, and, um, and is his own priest going through his own kind of like intensity, but is then like going through his own personal crisis and then going to, and having to show up and be there for someone who's in need, this young couple. It doesn't sound very entertaining, especially after Free Fire and getting to that like bizarro <laughs> action stuff. This one, there is like just as much action uh, if we're talking about drama as action. And there's something at the ending, like if you're on the fence about seeing, there's something at the ending, like just a scene, a moment. There's a way that they'll like that he'll film a glass and then someone pouring something in a glass, and it's just so beautifully shot. So. He's not just a writer who is allowed to use a camera. Paul Schrader is doing damn good work um, writing and directing this movie, similar to Card Counter, doing some unique camera work, some really great proper script writing, old school style, um, incredible character development. And then or by the end of the movie, like I was into it and I was enjoying it. I was like, this is really well done. And at the end of the movie, uh, I'm not gonna say anymore, but like just I, I left the theater being like, God damn, that was good, so. Um, good luck. It's not the easiest watch. I kind of want. I wish I'd switched those and ended with Free Fire, the funner one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, definitely don't end your night on First Reformed if you're doing a, a, a the movie marathon, the right review. But I definitely recommend First Reformed for sure. Nice, nice. All right, yeah. I, again, now I have that on my list of of things right. I need to watch. Um, the if you're like us and you have a list of a24 movies you want to watch that you haven't seen yet a great streaming service that has a lot of them right now is showtime showtime has an a24 curated list on their service because they have a special deal with them so a lot of these movies especially the ones you never heard of or the ones that aren't as common you will find there so a lot of the movies that blake is mentioning now that i haven't had a chance to watch i can watch on showtime so I, I think I know what I'm going to be watching for the next couple of weeks, and pretty you know, like <laughs> at least cleaning up my 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 A24 list there. So, um, cool. Oh man, last one. This is tough. Uh, this is a tough one. So I'm glad that we're doing honorable mentions because I, I I like you will have my my fair share of honorable mentions. But if I was to close out my personal list of favorite a24 movies oh this is tough um <laughs> glad i went first because goddamn. yeah yeah I, I, again it's like choosing your your favorite child you just don't do that there's just so many great movies in their library um, mocking out but okay sure. oh well okay you know that's your that's, favorite child is the hardest one to choose that's what they always it say. is it really is you know yeah. so <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> I think I'm going to put. Ooh, 
No, don't right. mess this up, man. You got to rethink it. No, 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 no. This is on Renee. All right, I got it. It's, sure? it. it's It was already on my list. It was already on my list. Um, the Disaster Artist. I'm putting The Disaster Artist as my number wow. 10. Oh, yeah. voice. You fucked up. <laughs> so the reason why... Okay. The reason why this makes my top 10 is because Tommy Wiseau is one of those enigmatic wacky Hollywood fixtures, right? Like, he is just one of those... Like, we talked about Charlie Sheen. Tommy Wiseau... Like, Charlie Sheen turned into that person. Like, for whatever reason. Tommy Wiseau has just always been that person. And he is not shy about it one bit. Hearing the making of The Room, probably one of the most laughed-at movies that was meant to be serious where they across the country would hold screenings about the movie where they would like, you know, laugh about it. They, they scream out all the different quotes from the movie, all that stuff. It's became a meme before memes were a thing. You know, it was just a phenomenal that a uh, phenomenon that this movie kind of created in a, in the genre of like movies and all that stuff like that, especially like cult movies and cult fandom. So when I heard that James Franco is going to be making kind of like a mock, like a reenactment of the making of this movie and, and just put himself in the persona of Tommy Wiseau, that sold me immediately, even before watching the movie. Then you saw the trailers and you're just like, wow, he's nailing the affect that this guy has. And just watching the movie play out, you know, he's in there with his, with his brother, um, and, you know, Seth Rogen's in the movie, like all the, the usual cast of characters that these people kind of hang out with. And I was just laughing from beginning to end. Like this movie was just so comical and so out there and so outrageous, especially knowing and understanding that this actually did happen. Like this isn't an actual reenactment of everything that kind of went down. Um, and it, it was, you know, again, A24 is not very known for a lot of their comedies. You know, they're, again, they're really known for, well, they're known for like dark comedies. They're known for obviously horror and more serious fare. This is like laugh out loud, straight up comedy. And I just loved every minute of it. So I put that there on my list, even though probably other things on my honorable mentions probably deserve that spot. But for me personally, this made it up there because I think it really well rounds out what A24 can do. If you look at my list, it had, it's like all over the place, right? So I think it's like a well-rounding out of the, the types of stories and the types of content that A24 puts out there. So so that, that's why I went that way. Good call. Yeah. We've both done 10. Do you want to recap where we just go 10, 9, 8? Yeah. Uh, I have one? the list. Yeah, I have the list right here. So <clears throat> I was keeping I tracks. Do okay, do your thing. Yeah. So So Blake, 1 through 10. At number one, we have Ex Machina. Number two is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Number three is Uncut Gems. Number four is Moonlight. Number five is Minari. Number six is Obvious Child. Get weirder from here. Number seven is Under the Skin. Very weird. Number eight is Last Black Man in San Francisco. Solid. Number nine is Free Fire. Super weird. And number 10 is First Reformed. Super, super weird. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. That's Blake's top Proud ten there. That's yeah. a good list. It's a great list. 
Your right. bottom half is actually much nicer than my. <laughs> okay. All right. Do yours. <laughs> All right. So my list. Number one, after Yang. Weird. Number two, Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Okay. Number three is Mid Somar. Nope. Number four is Locke. Weird. Number five is The Lobster. So good. So weird. Number six is A Ghost Story. Okay. Weird. Number seven is Eighth Grade. Ugh. Hell Number yeah. eight is The Farewell. Yeah. Number nine is The Vavitch. Uh, number 10. Wait, what did I have for my number 10? Disaster a... Artist. Oh, yeah, The Disaster Artist. Why do I have a different title here? Okay. Oh, I know. I was writing out my, um, my honorable mention. So, yes, Oof. number 10 is The Disaster Artist. So, that is our top 10. So, basically, if you think about it as a combination, this is our top 20 A24 movies right there. Yo. Right? Put them on your watch list right now. The fact that... You had so many unique ones because our tastes are a little bit different. And we sync yeah. up on a lot of them. We knew that like a few of these are going to both line up for us. The fact that we had so many ones that you hadn't seen, I hadn't seen at all. Yeah. Wild and speaks to A24's batting average. Because damn, that's a lot of unique movies where there are going to be other ones too that we could put on that list. Which speaking of, do you want to just take turns doing honorable mentions or how, how are you feeling it? Why don't we just do like real quick, just run through your your quick honorable mentions, and if you mention something that, or if you haven't mentioned something that was on mine, I'll 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 fill in afterwards. But and I'm not going to go into each one as badly as I want to because a lot of these deserve that tenth spot for sure. Okay. Yeah. Zola, mid '90s. Um, we we mentioned a few of these. We mentioned Lighthouse. Um, mm-hmm. We mentioned some of the ones where we're saying the director using them twice. So like Green Knight. I want to put Tragedy of Macbeth in my 10 spot. For oh, sure. yes. Yes. Um, Lady Bird, solid, solid movie. Um, we mentioned that with the director um, who moved on later. Mm-hmm. Um, the Humans, I really love. Oh, I love that movie. Uh, um, Spring Breakers, which was like the Breakthrough A24 movie. Mm-hmm. I actually I view, view that very, I rate it very highly. Uh, Amy, the Amy Winehouse documentary, yes. R.I.P. Um, a lot of people love Florida Project. I, it's not. It's going to be one that I don't enjoy watching, but it's really well done and well beloved. Yeah. Um, Enemy, Denise Villeneuve has an early movie. Yes, good a call most on that one. Year, early Oscar Isaac on the come up. Equals is a really well done dystopian movie. American Honey was the um, Shia LaBeouf road trip. Um, young people movie really well done and i'm mm. gonna i'm gonna end it with uh mississippi grind uh loved that one so nice any of those could have been in a, in a top 10 list for sure nice yeah a lot of movies you mentioned are also movies i would have mentioned too i would add uh we talked about this too hereditary yeah, yeah. again you know ari aster um room uh brie larson like that's the the thing that really put her on the map really uh, to be honest and i even though there are moments in that movie that is just so cringy, the acting is just breathtaking. Like, like her acting is really brilliant in that. Uh, it Comes at Night, another movie that you probably would never watch, but it's like, you know, a post-apocalyptic kind of horror movie that really, really speaks highly on paranoia. Um, and I thought it was really, really well done. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are like a lot... Uh, I would put Florida Project on my list because I did like that. It's kind of like slice of life type of movie. Um, you know there are people out there like that. And it's just, again, 
telling people who are not familiar that those there those are real people that they're portraying over there. And by the same director, I would also add Red Rocket to that list too. Uh, really, really far out there movie, man. Um, but it kind of again what A twenty four does really well. It brought it brought back Rex Simon, who has been kind of out of the limelight or spotlight for a very long time. And or no, it's not Rex Simon. Uh, Simon Rex. I just I did like a weird like a <laughs> a weird re- reversal of things. But yeah, but. I I haven't seen that dude in forever, and then all of a sudden here he is. And then when that movie came out, he did a roundtable, like an actor's roundtable. It was like him, um, oh who was it? Um, hold on, I I gotta find this because I was like really really blown away that he was included in this uh, acting roundtable. Um, it was oh, it was him, Nicolas Cage. Uh Let's see. I, I believe Jonathan. No, no, no. It was Andrew Garfield, Jonathan Majors, Nicolas Cage, Simon Rex, and um, uh, the, the 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 other guy, the the guy from Game of Thrones, um, who was in Cyrano. Oh, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Yeah. So he found himself on an actors' roundtable with these brilliant actors. Because of Red Rocket, because of Red Rocket, and I was just like, "Wow, that's just phenomenal!" So, yeah, so yeah, so there it is. Uh, again, we went through a lot. Brilliant list all around. Amazing movies under the A twenty four belt. We would love to hear your comments and thoughts about anything that we talked about. You know, which movies are your favorites? Was there something that we didn't mention that maybe you would include on this? Because again, we just covered what maybe 75 percent of their library because there's so many more movies that they have um that we haven't even talked about that we probably even haven't seen ourselves um and then they have a lot of movies you know in the fort like coming out soon as well uh i haven't seen x and i'm dying yeah, to see x I, it's actually one that I, a horror movie that i actually would want to see for sure yeah especially since pearl is coming out which is supposed to be their prequel to to x yeah. So I'm very, very, um, and another movie that I'm really anticipating for this year is The Inspection. Um, The Inspection sounds really, really interesting to me. Um, So I'm really, really curious about that. Uh, But yeah, let us know in the comments what your favorite A24 movies are, what you thought of our list, who had the better list. Yeah, let's have some fun with that. I don't know. It's not a competition, but it's just like... <laughs> no, it's not a competition because I kicked your ass, dude. I hit five home runs in a row in the first inning. Are you kidding me? You're just, you're just, you're just a little bitter that I, that I stole some of your selections. You already know I took your best. Nah, fuck out of here, man. It wasn't a competition. It was a competition, man. That no, no, it's, it's all good. <laughs> you, your list plus my list equals just great movies in general. Great it's just, yeah... It. And, and I think, again, if you were to ask us this question again next year, I, it would be probably very different. It, could, oh, it yeah. could be very, very different, especially the more movies I watch and the more movies you watch. It's, it's gonna, it could be a totally different story. But let us know everything in the comments. That's our movie time A24 extravaganza for the week. Uh, we'll probably break this episode up into um several episodes on the youtube channel but podcast listeners you get to hear the full thing all throughout but before we go blake where could people find you on the interwebs 
Letterbox.com is a website where I used as my source material for what are the A24 movies. They have lists of movies of based on every possible category you could imagine, including A24 movies. I did that. I filtered it based on which ones I'd already seen. And so I just go, oh, I've logged every movie I've ever seen. I've seen this many A24 movies. That makes it so much easier. If you're someone who likes film and on that level and are a cinephile, you get it's more accurate reviews. Um, I, we're not sponsored by them. I'm just excited. No. <laughs> I love this app. You can find my other movie recommendations uh, if you like this episode on Letterboxd. My screen name is Blake Wolf S S N B L A K E W O L F S S N, and I don't stand by my top ten list today enough that like my list on Letterbox actually looks kind of different. But that's what's fun about this and these conversations. So. Hell yeah. Find me there. Yeah. And in the comments section below where you tell me how many home runs I hit versus Renee's zero home runs. And I actually do want to hear from people like what are the ones we missed that you recommend? Yeah. I love a good movie recommendation if it's somebody's on on that level. Like let us know the good ones that that I'm sure there are some. So hit us up. No, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Like a lot of you who've been chiming in in our recent uh, videos have given us a lot of great insights and a lot of great recommendations. So definitely keep that coming. As for myself, obviously, Loki Geek, you see all the screen names and tags up on the screen in front of you. Instagram, Twitter, what have you. Uh, obviously, the YouTube channel. If you've enjoyed any of this and you'd love to follow us along and keep up to date with us, best way to do so is for free by subscribing, liking, hitting that notification bell so you get notified for any episode that is uploaded on the YouTube channel. And for audio listeners, Loki Geek podcast channel on your podcast platform of choice where you can find this episode amongst all the other goodies that we put out there. So that being said, I'm Renee. This is Blake. This has been Movie Time. Stay cool, stay classy, stay safe, and we will catch you all next time, baby. Peace out. Gucci.